welcome to episode 74 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on March 20th, 2018. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this here show. With me, as always, Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. How you doing, Corey? Brad, I just remembered that my mom's birthday is in 10 days. And also, my best friend from high school, my best girlfriend from high school, Sarah, her birthday is on the same day. And if I could give any piece of advice to anyone ever, it would be to not choose a best friend who has the same birthday as your mother. Ooh, I sense there's a story there, perhaps. Not really. It's just like, I don't know, overlapping birthdays. Like, the beginning of the year is very... <laughs> the beginning of the year is, like, chock full of stuff, because you're, like, fresh off, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, and then Patrick's birthday is at the end of January, and then you have Valentine's Day, and then my mom's birthday and Sarah's birthday land on the same day at the end of March, and it just seems like everything is crammed together very quickly and i also need to call my mom i'm one of those terrible kids who i i call my mom like once every like two or three months but then when i call her we talk for like three hours straight uh to kind of like catch up on everything whereas patrick is the kind of person where he talks to his mom like once every other day but they talk like for like 10 minutes and that's it so it's like one or the other and i'm the other there's actually a third option, which is don't talk to your mom at all, which is the option that I do. Uh, it really depends on how your relationship with your parents goes. So I can guarantee you there's at least one more option there that we have not discussed. <laughs> well, I definitely love my mom and I like to talk to her, but it's one of those, you know, classic cases of like, oh, I'll call her tomorrow. I'll call her next week. I'll call her, you know, then and whenever, whenever I'm not busy or blah, blah, blah. And she always pulls the oh, well, you never call me, and I don't call you because I know that you're so busy. And I'm like, Mom, you can call me, like, anytime, like, literally. Like, I am busy, but don't don't put this ball in my court all the time where you're acting like I'm the busy one all the time so that I have to call you. That's what my mom does. Well, it's all about how much you love her, Corey. If you loved her, you'd call. That's really what this is about. I know. That means I must not love her because <laughs> I don't call her, but I swear I do. Uh, <laughs> all right let's uh let's hold on to this i feel like we should do like some kind of psychological deep dive on this issue we're gonna hold on to this for maybe <laughs> maybe next week's banter uh, <laughs> all right folks uh after that gruesome look into our personal lives there uh let's get to some games oriented content but first uh just a quick reminder that if you are the kind of listener who enjoys that kind of stuff if you enjoy hearing about Corey's mom and uh, i guess my mom also not much but <laughs> Uh, if you want to hear this non-games chat and our various misadventures, you can catch our banter segment after the ending music plays at the end of every show. Just keep listening past the close and you can catch up with what we've been doing when we are not in front of our consoles. Uh, but now, let's get right to what you ostensibly came for, the games chat. Corey, Corey Motley, Corey Motley, you played Florence, which is on iOS? It is on iOS. Tell us all about it, sir. What's up with Flo? <clears throat> Flo. Um, okay, so Florence. Here we go. Florence is an iOS game that came out, I don't know, like a month or two ago. And it's kind of one of those indie games where it really came out of nowhere, but all of a sudden for like a solid week, 
everybody on Twitter is like, oh my God, I just played Florence. It's so good. Yeah. It's so like, yes, am yes. I right? Yeah. Totally. It was all over my feed for like three days solid. And I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. It's just so weird sometimes how indie games like this just totally come out of nowhere and they're like hot shit for a minute and then they just disappear off the face of the earth. Um, that being said, um, this seemed like the kind of game I would be into whenever I saw the kind of buzz about it. Cause it's like indie, the, the art style is very beautiful. It's kind of cartoony. Um, and it's supposed to be like a love story about uh, a woman. You play as a woman named Florence, as you might have guessed. Um, and the the game is about her sort of like navigating her early adulthood. I think she's like 24 when the story starts. And um, it's kind of about her like in her routine as she's working every day. She's kind of into painting, kind of into art a little bit. But she's in that position where... Um, you know, she's single, she's busy, she's kind of getting into adulthood. She works a really, like, technical, kind of boring business desk job. So that takes up a lot of her time. Um, she has a cat, she watches TV, and there's, like, a whole level that's dedicated to just kind of, like, her doing her um, daily routine kind of stuff to get you in the middle of it. And this game is not, um, when I say level, it has levels, as chapters, if you will, and acts, um... But it is not hard. This is like the kind of game where you could hand it to your grandma and she could probably figure out how to play it. It's really intuitive. Um, a lot of the like, is it like third person or like what are we? How what how, what what is it exactly? It's I'm trying like, to imagine it in my head, but um, it's like I mean, technically, it's third person. It's kind of like so. Here we go. The very start of the game, like a, it's kind of like a comic strip kind of panel. Like the the panel comes up and it's her in bed. And then, like, the alarm clock pops up on the screen and it starts dinging because it's time for her to get up. And then, um, as you might imagine, you press the screen where the alarm clock is and it presses the button to turn the alarm clock off. And then there's an animation that kind of shows her, like, rolling over. And then the alarm clock comes back on and you have to press it, like, three times because it's kind of like her hitting the snooze button. And then the next panel is her brushing her teeth. And there's, like, a little... It's just, like, a very um, tastefully drawn cartoon image of her, like, standing in front of the mirror with the toothbrush, the toothbrush in her mouth. And then there's a little icon of a toothbrush and a panel underneath her, kind of, like, where her waist is. And you put your finger on the toothbrush and you, like, wiggle it back and forth. And there's a little progress bar. And it, like, fills as you brush her teeth, like, as you wiggle the toothbrush back and forth. And so it's kind of like a lot of, I mean, I hesitate to call them mini games because they're not like mini games, but it's like a lot of little stuff like that. Like there's a section where she's doing an arts and crafts project and there's like a paper butterfly and she's like putting stickers on it. And you have like a little panel that has stickers. You can drag them up to the butterfly and it kind of like pastes them on and there's dialogue in it. But instead of being words, there's no words in the entire game. It's just like noises that emulate oh, words. OK, OK. I didn't know that. Um, All right. Yeah. So it's the the mood of the game is conveyed entirely through the whimsical art style, the music and sort of like the light sound effects that happen around it. But it's all very well done. This d d just to put it out there in front, this game's amazing. Like, it's really incredible. And um, and like there, but there's parts where she talks to other people and instead of like choosing, you know, text A, B and C, there's like a little, um, kind of like a cartoon text bubble that appears next to her. And there's like <clears throat> puzzle pieces that you have to put into the text bubble. And whenever you get them arranged correctly, they form the entire bubble. And then she makes the noises to say what she's going to say. And then like the other person will respond. And sometimes there's more 
pieces to put in the bubble and sometimes they're less depending on how like that gives you an indication of how like difficult the communication is between her and the person she's talking to or how easy it is um but the game is about her um it's basically about her her routine in early adulthood and then she meets a guy and she falls in love with him and it's kind of like the love story about her finding him them sort of making a life together for like a year or so and then it's about um kind of like their journey and i don't want to spoil it well actually i probably actually will spoil it but we'll do like a spoiler e like big big spoiler thing because the game's only like an hour hour and a half long maybe so it's kind of hard not to spoil it um should we do a spoiler warning right now um yeah well do you have any general questions before we jump into spoiler stuff uh well i mean i i I hear what you're saying i'm interested by the non (laughs) the non dialogue portion i didn't realize there was no dialogue so that makes me more interested in it because i gotta be fucking honest with you dude i've played a number of like these really kind of emo indies lately and they're just really fucking talky and if you don't (laughs) click in with that dialogue it's a painful experience so the, the fact that it is non-verbal gets me more excited. Um, and I think that maybe I would play this. So maybe maybe we shouldn't spoil it because is, if, is it going to ruin it for me if we talk about the details? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't spoil it. Okay, it's pretty new. How about we don't spoil it? Because how long did you say this was? Just a couple it's hours? It's like an hour, hour and a half or so. Okay, let's hold off. Let's let's not spoil it because I can totally squeeze that in. I was actually looking for something to play on my phone. This and hearing you talk about it gets me more excited. I kind of written it off because I didn't want to play another talky emo indie. Um, but if it's <laughs> non-talky, I could do an emo indie, but not a talky emo indie. So I can do non-talky. <laughs> let's not spoil. I'll play it and then we can do a deep dive next week. How about that? That sounds good. Um, I just want to before we. I don't really, if we're not going to spoil it, I don't have a whole lot more to say, but I will say that um, there's, like, some stuff that happens in this game that, like, fucked my ass up, like, literally cried for, like, a half an hour after I finished playing it. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in a, like, in a, in, a, in a good way, like, oh, I'm glad I felt those emotions, or, like, oh, my God, that was so terrible, I wish I'd ever played this game way. No, no, it's, like, in a... I mean, it's in, like, kind of a terrible way, like, in a depressing way, but it's in, like, a... Um, I don't know, like, a... Kind of, like, a fulfilling sadness kind of way, like, when you watch a sad movie and you're, like, oh, God, that was really sad, and you're, like, crying and shit, but you're, like... But, you know, that thing made me feel something, um... That's kind of how I felt about this. I mean, it's not like the game is not built around any like it doesn't have you kind of like the Doki Doki Literature Club thing where it takes like a hard left into like depression. Like this game doesn't do that. It's not like a it doesn't like throw you a curveball of some like mental health disorder or something like that. I mean, it's just it's just like a classic (laughs) love story. But there's like some stuff in it that like really um, that like really got to me in a good way, but in a depressing way. So just warning going in that maybe you'll have a similar reaction, maybe not. Um, but there's like definitely some stuff in here that I was like, oh my God. Like I was like holding my phone and there were like tears streaming down my face as I was trying to play the game. So, um, and I just finished it like two hours ago. So I'm fresh off like this game, like really uh, doing a number on me. Um, but really, really incredible. Um, really 
really warm, really frank, uh, sincere, uh, whimsical, beautiful, uh, emotional, um, fulfilling. Like, I haven't been keeping a list. I say I do this every year where I keep a list of the games I've played and the games I've completed and rank them as I play them. And for some reason, even though we're toward the end of March, I have not been doing that this year. So I need to, like, rack my brain on what all I've played. Corey Motley. I know, I know. Corey Motley. I think most of it is because I've been playing like last year's games so far this year. And I don't count those cause they're last year's games. Um, but I mean, right now this could very well be the number one game I've played this year. Wow. Okay. So I just, I literally just bought it while we were talking here <laughs> Two two ninety nine, and it's kind of a cartoony. It's got a little icon of a girl with her hair kind of blowing in the wind or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Got it. Let's not talk about it anymore. Let's hold off. I'll play it. If it's only an hour, I can definitely squeeze an hour in somewhere, and we'll talk about it in greater detail next week. But if you're saying one of the best so far, that sounds like pretty high praise. And three bucks is honestly not a lot to invest. So I think that sounds like a pretty solid recommendation. Yes? Yes. And definitely try to play it. I made the mistake of doing this, and it wasn't the end of the world, but try to play it all in one sitting. And... um. If you can uh, put headphones on with it or at least turn like the volume on your phone up on it because the music and like the sound effects are really like endearing to the story progression. Um, Is it vital? Because I usually play in places where I don't have sound on because I'm listening for something. Is it is it necessary or can I get by without it? You can get by without it, but I would highly recommend that you play it in a place where you will not be distracted in any way and a place where you can use the audio on it. I mean, it's not the end of the world if you can't hear it, but because the game doesn't have any dialogue and a lot of it is like driven from the like emotional value of the music and the sound effects in it, I would recommend um, playing it if you can, like in one sitting with the sound up, hopefully not like and the checkout line at the grocery store or, you know, something like that. But I, <laughs> right, right, I know right. you have a really busy life, though, and I know that your job probably has, like, moments of, like, intense work and then some downtime. Um, but if you can play it with the sound up or with headphones, that's the way I would recommend it. But it's not the end of the world if you can't. Okay, so noted. I'm downloading it now. I will keep that in mind. I will try to uh, – if I play it, like like, right before bedtime, I could probably manage that. So we shall see. Let's talk about it in detail next week. I'll, I will definitely get it done before then, and we will do our spoiler spoilery section then. Sound good? Yay. And I should maybe I should try to play Old Man's Journey this week because I feel like these two games will tie together very well, and then like I can revisit that for you, and then you can revisit Florence with me on next week's show. That would be a perfect idea because Old Man's Journey is not that long, especially if you don't get stuck in the puzzles, and you can play it in a really quick, uh, really quick uh, couple sessions. And um, from what you're telling me, that I think you're probably correct. This sounds like a pretty good pairing of things to discuss. We can talk about uh, both of those. I would love to talk about both of those in a spoilery sense. So why don't you finish Old Man's Journey? I'll finish Florence, and then we can uh, we can get into it next week. Yes, I love planning our next show mid-show of recording now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, at least we got some planning, and that's more than we usually do. So, <laughs> All right, cool, cool, cool. That sounds like a recommend. Uh, Florence, that's on iOS. I assume it's probably on PC and Android. Do you know? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't. Hmm, I should, you know, here we are. So video games doing our research for the show, except for no. not at all. Um, I know it's on iOS for sure. I would sincerely hope it's on Android, but I'm not positive. I don't know if it's on PC at all. Okay. Well, that's a mystery that we will not solve right now. 
People listening, you've got the internet. Google it and, I don't know, find out for yourself, I suppose. Apologies, but we don't do jack shit research. You know that. Do not look to us for any kind of factual information. That's not what we're about. So, all right, let's move on real quickly. Um, Okay, so, so, okay, good. Uh, Kind of a weird topic for me. I've got kind of a triple, triple play of games, and I have three because I didn't really dive too deeply into any of them, which will become apparent why in a moment. But, Corey, (laughs) you remember, you remember that uh, a while ago we had talked about maybe playing some Elder Scrolls Online because the PR person wanted us to talk about it. Yes? I did, and we never, I mean, I never followed up with my reason as to why I never played it, but we did talk about it off the show, which was hilarious, so I'm interested. Should I tell my brief story about why I haven't played it? I would love to hear a brief story about why I haven't played it. Okay, so we talked about Elder Scrolls like three or four weeks ago, and as you might recall, if you listen to the show, um, I was not super pumped about playing it at all, because... I'm not really into Elder Scrolls, nor am I into like MMOs or MMORPGs or anything like that. But a PR person gave us codes and I was, you know, ready to bite the bullet and to try it and play it. So that way maybe Brad and I could play together. Maybe I would find a joy in this game that I wasn't uh, particularly interested in. So the PR person gave us Xbox One codes and I have an Xbox One. I put the Elder Scrolls code in. It takes like 600 years to download on the Xbox One. And I go to the title screen of the game once it's finished downloading. And it's like, oh, you have to have Xbox Live to play. And I don't have Xbox Live. So literally, unless there's some like secret trick that I don't know about, I literally could not even start the game because I don't have Xbox Live and I have no plans of buying Xbox Live. So I spent that all that time downloading it and could not even start the game at all. Yes, that is kind of a true thing that we were not aware of before we accepted these codes <laughs> because um, I used to be an Xbox Live subscriber and I stopped because I just never play my Xbox One. I just extremely rarely do I ever fire it up. So I did not know you needed Xbox Live to play this. Uh, and so after my 600 years of downloading this, literally it took me like, <laughs> I think it's like five days to download this bullshit. Finally get it all downloaded. And then we have our chat like last week or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll just try to squeeze it in at some point. Just like you said, I start up the game. It's like, oh, you got to log in. You must have Xbox Live. And I'm like, I don't fucking have Xbox. Okay, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> so I signed up for one month um, because A, I want to try this game out. And B, because I knew that um, Sea of Thieves was coming out soon, which I think is actually out today. It is. Uh, yeah. I'm not really pumped for Sea of Thieves, but my son is mega pumped for Sea of Thieves. <laughs> and I'm like, he's going to want to play this. I, I'll just pay for one month of Xbox Live. I doubt either one of us will be playing either one of these games in a month. So that's probably plenty of time. And I'll just get it done. So I paid the 10 bucks or whatever it was, 11 bucks or something. Join back up to Xbox Live for one month. I got to say, just a side note, when you sign up for Xbox Live, and I just sign up for one month, it, it does the auto renewal thing by default, oh, right? And I'm like, yeah. fuck you. Fuck you. I don't want you to fucking <laughs> auto renew anything. And so you go to you go to auto renew uh, and to, you go to change it because it tells you, oh, if you want to change it, click on this link and you can change your settings. I'm like, yes, I'm going to do that right now before I forget. Otherwise, I'm going to pay for nine months of this bullshit before I remember that I'm paying for it. <laughs> so I go to the fucking thing and uh, you go to click to you, you deactivate the auto renew and uh, it pisses me off. This little window pops up and it's like are you sure you're giving away all these free games? Uh, and I'm like, fuck you. Don't, 
don't make it sound like I'm like losing something by fucking disconnecting your bullshit service. Like, just do it. Just do what I say and discontinue the fucking thing. And don't try to fucking passive aggressive guilt trip me into fucking renewing. Do not appreciate. Anyway, fuck off, Microsoft. And your games suck anyway. Fuck your games. All your games. I don't care. <laughs> fucking lose your stupid, shitty free games you give me. I don't want those games. Anyway, oh so God. after that little, little encounter, I sign up for a month, load up Elder Scrolls Online. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to play this for the show. I'm going to talk about it. It's going to be great. And uh, I start loading it up. And I, okay, so you're not the biggest fan of Elder Scrolls Online or just Elder Scrolls in general. I am also not the biggest fan of Elder Scrolls in general. I mean, I played, uh, I mean, I think I played, uh, what did I play? Oblivion. I thought that was not very good. I played, uh, what's another, what's the one that came after that? The one everybody loves. Skyrim. I, I, I really dislike Skyrim. Uh, have you played those? What is your experience with Elder, Elder Scrolls, Corey? I played Oblivion shortly after I got an Xbox 360, and I I knew that Oblivion was going to be like all the newest, like hottest shit. But that was before I knew really what Oblivion was. So I rented it from I rented it from Blockbuster. Remember Blockbuster? Um, Whoa! What? What? Yeah. What does that even mean? The words? I, I don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> I uh, I rented it for Blockbuster, and I remember playing it, and I, I mean, first of all, I'm not, like I've said a million times on the show, I'm not into the whole, like, dragons and magic and wizards bullshit, like that, that, um, I shouldn't say bullshit, because it's not bullshit, but that brand of fantasy is what, I'm not into it at all, like, I'm into, like, sci-fi and future and space and laser guns and all that stuff, so... Uh, like, that was already a hurdle for me to get over. And then I just didn't understand the game. Like, I didn't know... Because you can do, like, anything in it. And I, like, didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was important. You can pick up anything in the game. And I didn't know what to pick up and if it was useful and if it wasn't. And then I was carrying too much stuff. And it's just, like, a big fucking mess. So i pretty sure I played it for, like, two hours. And then I just stopped playing it. And then I never tried Skyrim because by the time Skyrim came out, I knew that I wouldn't be interested in it at all. So that is my background with Elder Scrolls. Okay, so that is good to know. My background, I played Oblivion. Uh, it was interesting because, you, you know, like you said, you can go anywhere and, you know, quote unquote, do anything. And there's all these side quests and stuff. But it just was a really, like, boring game. Like, it's just visually boring. The quests were kind of boring really talking in a way that did not excite me. I didn't really get into the lore. I just, I mean, I finished it and I did a lot of the quests, but it was like one of those things where I was playing it just to play it. Not like I was really like into it or anything like that. Same thing with Skyrim. I know that people love Skyrim and Skyrim like is just like one of the biggest sellers, but that's ever made. Like it just, it sells so many copies all the time. Who the fuck is still buying Skyrim? Everybody's got it. Everybody's got it like three times. Why do people keep buying Skyrim? I don't know. There's like more copies of Skyrim sold than there are people on the fucking planet. So I don't know what's going on, but that is one that got a lot of love. I, I detest Skyrim. I really don't like it at all. So I don't know why I even I don't know why I even took these codes, honestly. What was wrong with me? Why did I say that we we're gonna cover this on the show, Corey? Probably because I know exactly why, actually, because you are always in such a panic that we're never gonna have anything to talk about on the show that you're like, oh my god, I have to take these codes because that way we'll have something to talk about. Oh, you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> also, I'm just I'm just a nice guy. Hate to tell people no. So, yeah, probably a combination of those things. You're, you're not wrong. Uh, so I start Elder Scrolls Online, and, you know, you start out with the character creator, which is always a fun thing in general. And 
not great. Not great. I mean, you can... It doesn't tell you a lot about the beginning, so it's always kind of difficult creating characters. You don't know what you're going to like. Like, what class are you going to like? What race should you be? Like, I mean, I'm not super familiar with this world, so it's not like I already knew. And I'm like, well, I mean, who looks the least lame? Who is, you know... <laughs> Like, what, what do I think I'm going to want to do? So I create this, like, some kind of random elf chick. And I appreciate that you can change the body type. Like, I made her, like, really tall. You can make her, you know, somewhat muscular. Not really muscular, but a little muscular. You can change... Uh, there's, like, a booty slider, which I'm always a fan of. I'm a big fan of booty sliders in games, <laughs> so that's good. Uh, but, I mean, there wasn't, like, a ton of options. Like, it wasn't, like... It wasn't as good as something, like, Saints Row would do. Like, it wasn't as good as that. So a little disappointing create a character and I started up and it just like, ah, it's so rough and ugly and awkward. Like it just did a really poor job of like warming me up and getting me into the game. Um, I'm assuming it thinks that you already know about Elder Scrolls because it really tells you not very much at all about how the game works or, or what to do. And I do know a fair amount, but like, I mean, just for, just on principle, I think any game should really go above and beyond and like really welcoming you in and like teaching you what it's all about. I mean, I am a fan of tutorials. I know some people are allergic to them, but I like them a lot. I think they're very important. And a good one is excellent. It, there is not a good one here. It's just, you start off on a ship and then all of a sudden something, something, something happens and then you're not in the ship, you're in a prison and then you're free from the prison and then it's like, hey, find this thing for me. Wait a minute. Where am I? Who who am I? What's going on? Where are we? What happened to the ship? Now I'm a prisoner. Now I'm not. What's what's up? And it's just it just was like kind of going through the motions really quickly. Not a lot of dramatic buildup. Not a lot of characterization happening. So I'm like, okay, fine. I see some markers on my map. It's like third person. You can also do first person. Either way, you can switch back and forth. Appreciated. Appreciated. I like the option. And I, I create this like this elf chick. I immediately find a giant two-handed sword and this big fucking helmet that looks like a goddamn mop bucket. And like, I just, I'm like, okay, well I got to put it on cause I got nothing else. I'm just going to wear this. So I look like an idiot right off the bat. Like I don't like the way I look, but that's all I have. And so I just I walk around killing some dudes. There's like this really janky combat system where you hold your trigger button to like wind up, or you can do a quick strike. Uh, there's also magic, but I couldn't figure out how the magic worked at first. It took me a little while to figure that out. And then once I did, it was like this really super unimpressive, like little magic missile that I was like <laughs> pew pewing at people. And I'm just walking around. I kill this thing that looks like a lizard and I kill a couple dudes. And then I find this whatever MacGuffin I was going after. And then it's like, we've got to escape from the island. The slavers are here. We got to help me do this thing. And we're going to go back to the, the kingdom. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, I am not on board with any of this stuff. I don't know who I am. I don't know what's why are we here? What's the politics of this place? What's the backstory? I don't know. I literally don't know. It was, it was just like being put into a really janky, um, I don't know, like a, it really felt like a really, really like early, early Xbox 360 era sort of a thing where everything is just really ugly and angular and um, you're just kind of like roughly interacting with the world. The whole thing just seemed to need like 10,000 more coats of polish and the story was just a bunch of text blobs coming at me and I just was like, oh my God, like this is, this is not good, people. This is not good. And I uh, ended up freeing the slaves on an island because that was what was on my quest marker. And then I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. This is this is enough. I, I'm, I'm not going to like this. The further I go, I'm only going to hate it more. So I better just stop now. And I just stopped. So that is the end of my Elder Scrolls online adventure. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it just was not good. It seemed like a really rough 
Xbox 360 game. Really janky. I'm not a fan of the Elder Scrolls thing in general, so I was hoping this would, you know, maybe be different enough to draw me in, or maybe it would give a different spin, but no, it just seems really just like the same sort of thing. So apparently if you are a big Elder Scrolls fan, there's a lot of content to dig into. It seems exactly like the same sort of thing you were playing, you know, um, right about the time of Oblivion. If you like that, check it out. I don't like it, so I'm not going to check it out anymore. <laughs> Deleted it right away, and I'm pretty much done with that. So I would say probably you're off the hook, Corey. Don't even worry about uh, giving it a shot unless you are somehow inexplicably dying to, to keep uh, giving it a shot. Oh, trust me. You don't have to tell me twice not to worry about not having I, to play it. I thought as much. So <laughs> breathe easy, my friend. You are you are officially off the hook. I don't think there's much for us to dig into there. Um, that so, PR person is probably really happy that... <laughs> that's going to be an awkward conversation hey so we covered your game i really took a quick shit on it and i moved on so thanks for the codes <laughs> well it's not like they have any i mean any trouble like like the brand of elder scrolls like we we could spend all show every show talking about how much we don't like it and Skyrim would still be getting released for the 35th time and would sell like a hundred million copies. So obviously like we're, we're nothing. Clearly. Yeah. We are not, we are not crucial to the uh, elder scrolls online business plan. We are not the linchpin <laughs> to their success. So hopefully we'll not do too much damage with that segment. Uh, very grateful to the PR person for reaching out and giving us free code. I mean, I'm, I don't want to be, I don't want to be ungrateful. I appreciate getting free codes when I was a kid, uh, poor growing up, had no money. The idea that somebody would give me a free game was like the most amazing thing on earth. So I always want to remember that and getting a free code is not something to sneeze at. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that would love a free code. So I don't want to seem like I'm all like above it and poo-pooing it and like I don't care. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to get a free code. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. But this game, 1000% not my jam. Uh, and it's just, I just, as a critic, I, I did not like it very much. So sorry for that, but thank you for the free code. So... I'm sitting in front of my TV and I'm done with Elder Scrolls and I'm like, well, I got the Xbox set up. I might as well play something else because we're here, right? I mean, <laughs> what the fuck else am I going to do? <laughs> uh, so I, over, at some point in the past, PR had sent us codes for Conan Exiles, which is a still in early release survival MMO based on the universe of Conan the Barbarian. Are you familiar with this? Have you heard of it? Have you ever played it? I am not familiar with it. So you've heard of Conan though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know anything about this. I downloaded it a million years ago. It is updated 10,000 times, but I've never even turned it on, <laughs> but I'm like, well, Elder Scrolls is a bust here. Here's a good time to try Conan. It's kind of an, another MMO maybe it'll be a similar vein i'll just try it out and i'll talk about it on the show whatever so i fired up kind of a cool opening cutscene with uh a, a guy who i guess is conan rescuing some chick who's on a crucifix and they fight some lizards in the desert together and they show that you can survive in this world i mean it's kind of a cool little cutscene, a little, little conan action i was up for some of that and then the game begins uh, you can choose whether you want nudity or no nudity. And of course, I'm like, yes, give me all the nudity. Whatever you've got, I will take I will take two, please. Uh, so you pick, uh, I picked a female character and she is just uh, topless. You don't get the full meal deal, but you get a topless, oh my which God. is fine. Uh, no breast slider, though, which I thought was weird because if you're going to go to all the trouble of making nudity in your game and you're going to make it a big feature, why would you not put in breast sliders? That is weird to me. Like, Is she just like fighting with her tits out? 
Totally, man. That is what that is what barbarian chicks do. That's how that goes. You just tits out and you just go for it. That's that's what happens. Mm, so I'm skeptical about this being a good plan of action. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh my god. Uh, I love that you said that. That's fucking brilliant, dude. I love that you said that because that is so correct. Like I if I was if I was a lady in barbarian times fighting, I would probably want to cover up my business. I don't think that I would want uh, my boobs out. So you are you are more correct than you know, sir. Uh, so I make my character. I do a female character because I like ninety nine point nine percent of the time make a female character anyway. Really weird that there's no breast slider. There's not really even a body slider. Like you just kind of like do the face and the hair, and it all kind of looks the same. Like none of the faces really look that different, and none of the hair looks that great. So I'm like, ugh, <laughs> this is all ugly. Okay, whatever. I mean, it's a problem though because if you're going to be spending a lot of time with an MMO like this or like any game in general, you got to like your character. That's really crucial. If you don't like your character, you know, I mean, you're going to be looking at this person that you think looks dumb or that you just don't get into. It's hard to connect with a character like that. I think character creators are really, really valid and important. So seeing one that is done poorly always gives me like the warning sign. Like the spider sense starts going off, you know. <laughs> so I start, pick a character, start the game. Here is literally what happens. I will give you a play by play of what happens. You start the game. You're in the middle of a desert. There is nothing around. You walk forward. There's like a little path of stones. You follow that for like a good three or four minutes. Nothing going on, just desert and stones. Walking, 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 walking. You get to a place where there's some palm trees. There are some weird looking monsters and they come and kill you. That That's it. That's what happens in Conan Exiles. Do the credits uh, roll at that point? Is it over? Yeah, I finished finished the game. It was oh, real good. I just congratulations. Got, got to the end. I know. Did you platinum the game? <laughs> All the trophies popped. <laughs> no, I mean, that's literally what it was. I walked forward. I had no weapons. I had no clothing. I didn't know what the systems were. I encountered a couple monsters that came beelining straight towards me. They beat the shit out of me. I died. <laughs> and that was literally the end of the game. And I'm like, this is not a good way to start your game. FYI, developers, if you want to get me in your game... Putting me in the middle of a desert with no idea what I'm doing and then sending a horde of monsters to beat me down is not a good way to get me to like your game. So uh, I tried one more time, ended up walking around the palm tree area, swam through some water, met some more monsters, got killed again. And I'm like, I'm done. This is this is not a good use of my time. Delete. So I deleted that one, too. Uh, two for two are losers. And I'm like, well, I still got some time. I still got the Xbox one hooked up. Uh, we did get a code for Path of Exile a million years ago. Have you heard of Path of Exile? I have not. I've heard about it a few times in pretty positive terms. <clears throat> I didn't know much about it, but I heard it was like a free-to-play, but it was uh, kind of like a Diablo-like, but it was uh, apparently like it was really done well. Like I heard the microtransactions were not offensive at all and that the gameplay was really good. So I had heard I had heard some fairly positive things. And I had the game on my hard drive, so I'm like, well, why the fuck not? I'm out here, Xbox still hooked up. I don't have much to talk about for the show. Let's try one more game. Maybe I'll get lucky on this third time. And I think the third time is the charm. Because I start up Path of Exile. It is a Diablo-like. I assume you've played Diablo at some point in your life. Oh, God. Yeah, but it's been a fucking long time. Okay, but you're very familiar with like what it is, right? I mean, kind of an isometric, top-down, run around a dungeon, usually a randomized dungeon you know, a whole bunch of hordes of monsters in the dungeon. You hack them up, get some experience, get some loot, wash, rinse, repeat, right? Uh, yeah, totally. I'm very well versed in these games. 
Okay, cool. So that's basically <laughs> what this is. That is literally what this is. Um, you start the game by picking from, I think, five characters. A little bit bummed to see that you cannot create a character. Like, they just have these presets. So it's like the priest is always going to be like a tall white guy. The archer is always going to be like an elf lady. The berserker is always going to be a... So like, you know, like you just... These characters are pre-made. Like, you just choose whatever class you want, but you can't customize, like, what they look like as a character. So that was kind of like, that's that doesn't feel very good, but okay, whatever. So I pick uh, the witch because it's not something I usually do. I usually do, like, melee heavy, but I'm figuring, oh, I'll change it up a little bit, try something new. I don't usually do a magic user, so this will just... Whatever, we'll see how this goes. So I pick the witch. Um, game starts out much better than the other two games. Like, you are give this really short cutscene where like this guy is like you're a terrible person we don't want you here so we're exiling you and get the fuck out and then like you wash up on a beach so at least that makes sense like i'm like okay i'm, I'm exiled the game's called path of exile they didn't want me there i'm on a beach like this is all it's, it's all connecting so far so i'm on board so far you wash up on this beach uh there's a couple dead bodies around you can scavenge some loot i think i got like a busted sword and some kind of like a i don't know leather jerkin or something that you put on leather jerkin Leather jerk, you know, there's so many ways that could go, but it's actually just something that you wear in your chest. Does this game so. have a nudity option as well? No, for there's your no leather jerkin. No, 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 that's a bummer too. That's a bummer too. So, uh, I start walking around, and it, at first, it seems like a little overwhelming because there's a lot of systems, there's a lot of menus, and the tutorial wasn't really working that well. It was kind of janky. I was trying to click on some buttons, and it didn't seem to like be recognizing my inputs. And I'm like, oh, dear, is this going to be three for three? Like, are these all going to be terrible? But I um, eventually turned off the tutorial because it seemed like it was just glitchy. Like, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I turned it off, hopefully relying on my many years of game experience to get me through, which 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 served me true. Um, the loot system is pretty good. It's basically just like Diablo. You pick up stuff when you kill guys, put it on. Uh, there's, you know, obviously the stats. There's little slots you can put gems into. You pick up some gems, and the gems have powers you know one of them has like a fireball spell one has a buff buff spell or something i mean it's all pretty it's all pretty par for the course i mean if you've ever played a diablo or a diablo like or a diablo like perhaps uh it's you know exactly what you're getting but the graphics were really solid it was very nice to look at like it looked like a very good diablo like um controlled well uh very easy to understand what the gameplay loop was because it's something that has been proven to be successful in the past gather loot Equip better loot, kill more stuff, get better loot, wash, rinse, repeat. Uh, but it was just all really well done. And um, the systems seem pretty good. There's a lot of, like, stat ups you can do, a lot of leveling up you can do. It seemed like the variety in gear from what I saw was pretty good. I was getting the feeling like this was probably, like, a pretty big game. I got to the first hub town, and there was, like, a lot of other people, actual players who were in the town, Um which surprised me. I wasn't expecting to see that, but you can trade with them if you want to. Otherwise, just ignore them and they don't really interact with you in any way. Um, I think it's possible that they will show up in a level like maybe you would do some multiplayer, ambient multiplayer perhaps. I didn't see that happen when I was playing, but I'm sure that might be a thing later on. Uh, but it just seemed like a really super solid Diablo game. I haven't played a Diablo in quite a while. So I was like, oh, you know, I could maybe do one of these. This is kind of fun and it seems um, pretty well done. It looks pretty good and systems uh, seem fine seems pretty good to play so i just barely scratched the surface of it but i did not delete it which is more than i can say for the other two games uh, it seemed <laughs> interesting and i'm not really in the market for like a huge time sink sort of a game 
but I, I, I would come back to this. Like it seemed like something that I would be, I would be up for once my schedule lightened up a little bit. So out of the three games that I tried, Path of Exile seemed like the winner free to play. And it seems like all the micro transactions are cosmetic from what I could tell. That might be, that may be wrong, but it seemed like they're just cosmetic, which is fine. Um, seemed really solid. Conan Exiles seemed like a giant piece of shit and Elder Scrolls was like Elder Scrolls. So that kind of says it all. Um, so there you go. That is my Xbox MMO roundup. Um, one out of three ain't bad, I guess. That's a good, um, good ratio. You're really money well spent on that Xbox one. <laughs> Dude, you don't even know. I regret buying that thing so hard. I could have waited two more years and saved like $200 and I still would have the exact same amount of games now that I had back then. Like I, I literally like missed nothing in that first year. And if I had waited two more years, I still would have missed nothing. That game, that, that console <laughs> is just broken. It's hurting. It is not for me anyway. Yes. Money, <laughs> money down the drain, but there you have it. There's my report. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, questions. I don't imagine many questions. Uh, <clears throat> like literally no questions. That's what I, that's, what I <laughs> that's exactly what I figured. Uh, do I know you well or do I know you well? Yes, we are. We are podcast partners for sure. Corey, let us let us move away from the Xbox one and its glories. And let's talk about let's talk about a little game called the evil within two. Please, please take it away, sir. Ask me why I've been playing this game. Corey, why have you been playing the evil within two? I don't know. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh, my God. oh dear. Okay. Okay. So let me let me talk through this. Okay. We can talk this out. So I the the last time we talked about this game, I had downloaded the demo on PlayStation 4 because there was like a demo up for the first three chapters. I played like two and a half of the chapters and then we talked about it on the show and I said You didn't yeah. you didn't like it, right? I didn't like it. I know. That's the thing. I didn't like it. I was like, oh, it seems like it's moving in like an open world bullshit kind of way. I'm not really interested in it. It's not very scary. It's not very interesting. I didn't like the first game. There's like no limit to the amount of like bad things I could say about this game. And and I recently have upped my Gamefly subscription from one game to two games. And I only had like five games on my queue because there's not really a ton out there right now that's like super enticing to me. And... I had put the evil within two on my queue and I knew it was there. And I, I don't, I don't really know why I didn't take it off. Like maybe somewhere like deep in my heart, I knew I wanted to give the game a second chance or something, but I saw on social media that they had patched in Bethesda had patched in a first person mode for the game. And this was not in the demo. Whenever I tried it, it basically as you might imagine it lets you play like most of the game in, in first person and you can switch back and forth between first and third person in the, in the options menu. So it's not like something you're totally locked into. And I thought, okay, well like maybe like, I don't really have a lot else to play. Um, you know, I'll let Gamefly send it to me. I'll try it in first person mode. You know, maybe it'll feel, uh, like more like condemned or something like that. Like maybe it'll give it more of like a tighter, scarier focus because, um, the evil within as it stands is not a scary game. It doesn't really rarely um, scares me. And, and so I got it. I tried the first person mode 
and it was worse than the third person mode. <laughs> so, I was waiting for you to say, oh, yeah, it actually was pretty good. <laughs> Shows what I know. Yeah. So, I mean, I gave it a shot. And so, like, I played it for, like, about a half an hour in first person mode. And I was like, you know, like, it just doesn't feel right. And first person, it feels really clunky. Um, obviously your field of view is way more limited and this is the kind of game where like you kind of need more spatial awareness like you don't need it but it's like obviously helpful to have and there's like a you can like stealth around and like hide in bushes and whenever you're hiding in bushes and it's first person you can't fucking see anything because you're hiding in the bushes <laughs> but if you're in third person you can actually like spin the camera around and look around and stuff so i but something weird happened where, like, I put it back in third person, and it was kind of one of those experiences where I was like, okay, I'll just, like, play a little. Like, I don't really have anything else to play. I'll just kind of play it a little bit and kind of feel it out some more. And, you know, I'm bored, and it's here, and I don't have anything pressing. So I started playing it more, and I want to be clear that I did not come to like this game because I still think that The Evil Within 2 is pretty stupid. Like, the story is so awful, and the writing is so bad. And, like, the whole, just, like, everything that has to do with story bits, with voice acting, with, like, the pacing of the story, it's just so terrible. Um, the only thing that I can say that this game has a one-up on the first game of is that this game at least makes more sense, and it's more coherent, um, in its story focus and in its structure, whereas the first one was just like, at the drop of a hat, you could be in a completely different environment doing a completely different thing, you know, with completely different monsters, and none of it linked together in a way where you couldn't tell how far you'd come in the game and how much further you had to go and, like, when there was going to be, like, a main boss or something. But the second one, because it kind of has, like, a slightly open-world nature, you get more of a feel of, like, where the story's going, but the story is still absolutely garbage. But what happened was I died at a certain point and I was like, you know, I'll turn the difficulty down to casual because it has like three difficulty settings. I was playing on medium. I turned it down to casual and then it turned into an experience where the game became so easy and so accommodating that I just kept playing it because I wasn't dying and I wasn't getting frustrated about the combat or about the enemy experiences. And most of the enemies that I encounter would die within like, two or three uh shots like out of the pistol and it would be like two if i were if it were headshots and three if i hit you know somewhere else in the body and i was i had a lot of ammo um the game whenever you're playing on casual at least if you even make like the slightest um like look around to find ammo and resources there's resources everywhere um so it's not like particularly difficult to get through and that's, like, as sad as it sounds, that's honestly, like, what fueled... Because I played the whole thing. I ended up finishing it, uh, I think, oh, last shit, night. Oh, shit, you finished the whole thing? I played the whole thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't even, like, a situation where I was like, oh, I put it another two hours and stopped. Like, because the game was so easy, um, I just ended up playing the whole thing. And I thought... I was worried because I thought the game was going to be a lot longer than it actually was because I was led to believe that, or from, like, marketing and from people talking about it that it was suddenly this big, like, open-world game that had, like, a big map, and you were, like, doing side quests all over the place, and you were, like, you know, running back and forth across the map, and it was almost like, you know, kind of like a GTA kind of thing, but that's not entirely true. So the actual um, 
like breakup of the game is yes, it has open world segments, but like the first like three chapters are pretty linear. And then you kind of get into the world. The city that it takes place in is called Union. And um, and because I haven't discussed it yet, the, the whole game takes place inside a system called STEM. And it's like, there's like a core, uh, it's kind of like Inception where there's like a core mind and then everyone kind of like jacks into that person's mind. And the whole game takes place basically like in this like imaginary world that's built on the core of um, like the main specimen's mind. So you play in this town called Union that's in like, you know, La La Land and um, and you have like a like a an open world segment, but it's not very big. It's like a few city blocks. There's like two safe houses and you have like a few mission objectives in that area and maybe like one major side quest. And then once you get through a few chapters in that area, you move through, like, it's called the Marrow, and it's kind of like a subway system. And it kind of, once you move through it, it kind of teleports you to a different open-world segment of the city, which is about the same size. It's not very big. It's a few city blocks. You have, like, a handful of objectives and and maybe, like, another one or two side quests. And then after that, it kind of starts getting into more linear territory. So I thought it was going to be, like, one giant map, all this bullshit side quest stuff to do, and, like, all these quests that are strung together over this map. But really, it's just, like, kind of two, like, city hub areas in a way. And, and then, like, some linear areas stringing them together, and then, like, linear areas t- that take you out of the game. So that was actually kind of a pleasant surprise to me because I didn't want to deal with open-world bullshit. And it's actually, like, put together pretty tightly so that it never feels like you have to run around for, like, 30 minutes just to get from from objective to objective. And the other thing that I like about it is the first game had a stealth system where you there's, like, a sneak button where, you know, you kind of crouch and do the slow walk. And you could sneak... If you could sneak up behind enemies, you could do, like, a stealth kill with your knife on them. And the first, like, in the first game, it kind of took me by surprise because the stealth kill, like, isn't really that valuable because most of the time when you're fighting enemies, they, like, either ambush you or you're in kind of, like, an intense enemy situation. It's rare that you're in a situation where, like, you kind of, like, have a big map in front of you and you can, like, walk around and, like, really plan out the way you stealth kill things. But in The Evil Within 2, the stealth mechanics are actually kind of uh, competent, like, because the world is open, you can really kind of plan your route around, like, how you want to get the enemies, or you can avoid them altogether if you want. Um, or, you know, you of course, you can shoot them and just, like, go guns blazing and if you want to do it that way. But it gives you, like, a nice... Um, it gives you options, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, almost, dare I say it, almost in, like, a Deus Ex kind of way. And some areas even have, like, multiple paths to get to places, which I thought was surprising. So, like, this game, the the level design is a little bit more sophisticated than I thought it was going to be, which really surprised me. And the fact that the stealth mechanics are competent, and you can actually upgrade your stealth mechanics throughout the game to make yourself, like, um, quieter, or make yourself, like, run, or, like, uh, go faster when you're in, like, your crouch stealth state and stuff. Um, I came to appreciate that about the game, but... All that being said, it only took me about 11 or 12 hours to finish it. So again, I thought it was going to be this big, like, 30, 40-hour open-world game. And I completed, I think, every side quest in it, too. Like, all the major side quests I did, 
because I thought there were going to be a lot more of them, but really there's only like one or two main side quests for each like hub of the city. So I finished it in about 12 hours. So, um, you know, it's not that long. It wasn't nearly as big or as grand as I thought it was going to be. Um, so I don't know, like it's, it's, I like, I don't know if I would recommend this game because it, I mean, the story is so bad. It's so stupid. And like the concept of the game being in this sort of like mind world, they don't get nearly as creative with it as they could because it ends up playing like a last of a, like a major poor man's last of us. Like it feels very, very similar to last of us, but it's like C team last of us. Um, And this is coming from somebody who didn't even like the last of us that much. So like there's that as well. Um, but I don't know, like, it's kind of like when we were talking about Battlefront 2, like, The Evil Within, once I put it on casual mode, it gave me so little friction that I was able to just kind of, like, keep steady and play through it and just kind of, like, kill everything in two or three hits and and play through it and not really have any issues. But if I had stayed on a harder difficulty level and had been and had wanted to, like, power through it and would have been dying a lot or resources would have been more scarce or something like that... I would have given up way sooner, but I don't like, I don't have a good reason for saying like, oh, I finished it or, oh, I feel a great sense of accomplishment or, oh, I really like this game because the game is like as mediocre as they come. And it's kind of like designed by committee a lot and it's not really that fulfilling, but I mean, I finished it, so I'm not really sure what that says about me. Interesting. Interesting. So a couple of thoughts. Um, I mean, I, I can, I'm listening to you talk about it and I get that it's maybe not your jam, but I think that you and I probably like different things out of this kind of horror experience. Um, I mean, you're not like really selling it to me or anything, but like I'm listening <laughs> to you talk and I'm like, I mean, it sounds kind of okay. Maybe it sounds like a good weekender, maybe something just to kind of check in on, just to say that you can, I just so you can be part of the conversation about it. I mean, I've, I've actually seen more than uh, the expected number of people talking about this. And I, I think maybe the bar was set pretty low, and so maybe people were kind of ex- expecting the worst, and now that it's not the worst, maybe that it's okay. Um, but I think there's also something to be said for, well, a game that lets you just play it, like that is not, that does not require too much of you. Like sometimes that's okay. Like I don't want that all the time, but sometimes I do want to play something where I'm just like going through the path of least resistance. It's keeping my hands occupied. Maybe it's keeping my brain occupied a little bit. Maybe not entirely, but sometimes I think that that's, that's an okay thing. Like, I don't want every game to be, like, you know, as hard as Dark Souls or as, you know, as tricky as some whatever, some really tricky game. I don't know what a tricky game would be, but, um, you know, like, sometimes you just want to turn your brain off and play, and uh, that kind of sounds like what you're describing. Like, maybe it's just good enough for, like, when you get home after a long day of work and you want to shoot a couple things and you don't really want to be too challenged. And you don't really want to have to work for your success. Like you just want something that's pleasant. Kind of like the same idea of like getting home from a long day. And like you just watch some sh- some shitty comedy on TV. Like some sitcom where you know the writing is bad. And the characters are not great. But it kind of just washes over you. And it's really low effort. And so sometimes that's just what you need to chill out. Like is that is that kind of the ballpark this is in? That is pretty much exactly what it is. Like didn't offer much resistance. It was like fine enough to play the mechanics of it work pretty well i mean like walking around aiming shooting sneaking is all engaging enough but i mean if you're looking for a fulfilling story do not come here and 
if you're looking for um uh shit i was gonna say something else to not come here for um oh if you're looking for a game to be scary don't come here which is like a big thing like this is called the evil within the first one was directed by uh shinji mikami who did resident classic resident evils the first one was supposed to be kind of like a riff on resident old resident evils but i never got that sense of it this one was directed by a different guy but it was produced by shinji mikami this one feels more like The Last of Us and Resident Evil, but not like a good The Last of Us. And it only scared me like a few times. And that was like jump scares, like not even like a, oh, like I'm going to get under your skin kind of scare. So it it's just, ugh, it just doesn't feel like what it's supposed to be. And I will be very interested to see if they make a third one, because I bet you they will make a third one what they're going to do with the third one, if they're going to keep it open world or if they're going to tailor it back down to a linear adventure or if they're actually going to try to make something that's scary because this isn't scary. I, I don't know. I'm curious to see where the series goes from here. Uh, really quickly, a couple of things. Interesting that you bring this game up because uh, I was at work yesterday and I was talking to uh, this person who I had seen passing in the halls or whatever Hadn't really ever talked to her very much before. Um, uh, but uh, she saw that I was wearing my uh, beanie hat that I bought at the Emerald City Comic Con. I think I mentioned I got a Resident Evil hat with the umbrella logo on it. Did I tell you that? Yeah, yeah. We talked about that last week. Yeah. So I was wearing my umbrella hat uh, walking around. And she's like, oh, is that an umbrella? And I'm like, for a second, I was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's my hat. Sorry. Right, right. I was like, there's no umbrella. What are you? What? I'm inside. Why, <laughs> why are you talking about an umbrella? What? Uh, so I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah, it is an umbrella. Do you play games? She's like, oh, yeah, I totally love games. She's like, do you like horror games? I'm like, well, I, I, I used to like them a lot. I still play them sometimes. Not really, but, you know, I'm still in touch with that. And she's like, oh, yeah, I just, I just played I just played Evil Within, with Evil Within 2. Have you played that? And I'm like, oh, no, but I haven't played it, but I heard about it. She's like, oh, I didn't like it very good. I like the first one better. And I'm like, huh. I know that people like the second one better in general, but I know that a few people like the first one. Not many, though. I think Steve Haskey is the only guy I've ever met who really liked the first one. <laughs> you thought the first one was pretty horrible, right? The first one is fucking terrible. Okay, so I actually, that lady ends up being Steve Haskey's soulmate. I need to actually oh. send him a message on Twitter and say, Steve, I found your lady. So she is at my workplace. So I will connect <laughs> up with Steve afterwards and we'll hook him up. Also, um, this kind of reminds me a little bit of a game I haven't played, so I don't know why it reminds me of oh that. Boy. But Silent Hill Downpour. Did you ever play Silent Hill Downpour? I did. I played it. Yes. So that that was kind of like a quasi open world ish turn for Silent Hill. Is this? Are, would you put these two games even in the same ballpark remotely? I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I would. I would be. Man, I haven't played Downpour in a while. Um, there, I feel like. Evil Within 2 is easier to play mechanically. Silent Hill Downpour is a very obvious game, but Silent Hill Downpour also contains, and I don't say this lightly, and I'm not sure that a lot of people would agree with me, but it also contains one of the scariest moments I've ever experienced in a video game before, and The Evil Within is nowhere near that. Interesting. I always kind of wanted to get to Downpour. I know that it didn't really get a great critical reception uh, for a variety of reasons, but and I had kind of fallen away from the Silent Hill 
uh, uh, series by that point. I was a big fan of uh, Silent Hill 1, really liked that a lot. Um, and then, like, as the games went on, I know that Silent Hill 2 is everyone's favorite. Not my favorite, uh, but a lot of love for that one. As, as the series went on, like, I just liked it less and less and less. But I ended up liking the oddballs. I really liked silent hill it was, it was book of memories is that the one that was on like vita do you know that one? Oh, uh, the what that was like the fighting game or whatever like the arena whatever it was, whatever, it, was what, like a, what was yeah, it was like a, it was like a top down kind of like a diablo style and it was like a silent hill game people trashed that one i thought it was actually pretty good i really enjoyed that one quite a bit uh and so i thought oh you know maybe downpour will be another one of those oddballs where the mainstream silent hill fans don't like it because it's not silent hill 2 and spoilers there can only be one silent hill 2 and that's not it um but I never got around to it. I ended up picking it up on 360. Is that where you played it, or where did you play it on? Do you remember? Uh, I played it on 360. Yeah. Okay, so maybe I will. Maybe I will dig that up. I have it in my uh, my my backlog. Um, hearing you talk about Evil Within, we Jesus Christ, I can't. <laughs> Why am I in a podcast? I can't talk. Why? What am I doing here? Maybe hearing you talk about the Evil Within two is making me think. Oh, maybe I should fire up Downpour and give that a go because I never I never tried it, but. All right, cool. Well, uh, interesting. Maybe I will remember Evil Within 2 when I need a game to de-stress me that doesn't challenge me too much and just lets me play it and just, you know, the path of least resistance is an, an appealing path sometimes, so I can't entirely discount it. Um, all right, any, any final thoughts? Uh, I don't think so. I'm sure there's something out there I haven't touched on, but I've forgotten it already, so we can move on. All right, cool. Let's move on. Only one more game to talk about before we wrap the show. Um, I have to say I am somewhat unprepared to talk about this because I thought for sure I would have it done by today, but I ended up not finishing it yet, which is slightly a problem, but that's okay. The game I'm going to talk about right now, currently under embargo, uh, dear listeners, which is why this show will be released later than usual, uh, is A Way Out. A Way Out, which is coming from uh, director Joseph Fares or fairies i'm not sure how to pronounce his name i apologize uh i think it's Faris. Uh, he was the guy that did brothers a tale of two sons which came out a couple years ago uh which i loved Corey, did you love brothers a tale of two sons i played some of it and did not finish it i think i got just kind of bored with it okay so did not love it i will put you in the do not, did not love category but i loved it quite a bit i thought it was very very good one of my favorite games of that year. So I was very interested to see what uh, that director would do next. This is his next project. Uh, a Way Out is a little bit of a departure, but there is definitely still some shared DNA. Uh, what this game is, is you... It is a dedicated co-op experience. It is a third person... I don't want to say it's an action game. It's kind of a narrative game, but there are some action elements, a lot of QTEs. Um... But it's a it's a cooperative experience, and by that I mean you literally cannot play this by yourself. You cannot play this game without a second real person. There is no AI. You cannot have two controllers. I mean, I guess I guess if you're like amazing and you have like that super powerful uh, galaxy brain that I've been seeing on Twitter, and you can play two controllers at the same time, <laughs> then sure. But basically, you cannot play this by yourself. You need a second person. So uh, the the setup is that there are two characters in a prison. They want to break out of the prison and they need to work together in order to escape. So that is how the game starts. Uh, you begin the game. Uh, one player picks uh, the older guy, the older, calmer guy, and the other player picks the younger, more hot-headed guy. And then the game begins. 
Uh, one thing that's interesting to note is that I think the developers were very smart when they launched this. They knew that you could not play this without a second person. That is basically impossible. So that is not a gimmick to sell two copies of every game. Instead, what they have done is they have enabled a split screen mode. So if you buy one copy and you have a friend in real life, which not everybody does, I don't want <laughs> don't, don't to make any of you feel bad. I know some people don't have friends. That's fine. Uh, if you have a friend in real life, you can play split screen co-op on a couch, which is great. I have played most of the game that way. Also, uh, as of today, the servers are going live. They have not been live prior to today, so I haven't been able to try this out. But if you play this game by the time you listen to this podcast, every copy of the game comes with like a code or some kind of a trigger somehow. Um, PR was a little bit vague on how this works, but basically one person buys the game and then you get to pick a friend who can download that game on their console and play with you and they don't have to pay anything. So it's basically like you get to have a friend come join you for free. That second person does not need to buy the game and then you can just have a buddy playing remotely over uh, PSN or Xbox Live or whatever and they can go along with you because uh, that was smart. I think that if they had put this game out and required two people to play and then required the second person to buy a copy, they would be fucking dead in the water because no one would ever play it. No one would know if it was good. No one would recommend it. Really brilliant move. I applaud them for doing that. I think that was very smart. So I have not tried the friend download code thing yet because it was not live, but I have been playing split screen uh, so far. So me and the wife have been playing this and it's been interesting it's been an interesting experience um before i get into the meat of this any any quick questions uh i don't think so i am on board so far okay so i uh i am interested in the idea of dedicated co-op um i know that in the past on the show and maybe some dear listeners will email me and remind me that I have often said that if your game requires other people to be fun, then it is not a good game. And I think that is true when it comes to the traditional design of a single player experience where they add like this tacked on multiplayer mode. Like if the multiplayer mode is only fun because it has a friend in it, it's not a good design. Like the game has to be fun on its own. But this is a kind of a different thing because it is one of the very few games I've played where it is absolutely intended to be a co-op experience that is what it is and so that is kind of a different category and i i I give it a pass for that when the game begins and you're in prison it's kind of neat because uh one person's already in prison and so you can walk around in the yard and there's dudes like working out and guys punching each other like they're you know like people do in prison (laughs) and you see this bus show up and the other players on the bus and so like you know the player on the bus can only see the inside of the bus and look out the windows Whereas the person who's in the prison sees like this totally different view. They're up in the yard. They're looking through the gate. They're seeing the bus approach. They're seeing the bus park. The prisoners are getting out. And then at that point, you can like kind of look at each other and be like, oh, yeah, there you are. And you can kind of see each other. And uh, so it's kind of interesting that you have that that sense of place and that sense of space as well. So one person comes in and they get through the, you know, the the welcome to prison spiel. They, you know, they take all your clothes um, they clean you off, they hose you off in a really brutal like prison fashion. There's actually, I've heard some people squawking about this, but there's actually some penis that is shown in this game. There's a little bit of a uh, man junk when they strip the character down when it's coming into prison. And, uh, my wife was like, Oh, it's his junk. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it's not like full frontal or anything. It's like the dude's kind of turned to the side, but you can see it poking out like a little bit. And it, you know, it's clearly a penis. <laughs> Uh, so this is one of the very few games that I can think of that has a penis on display. The other one being um, Dante's Inferno. Did you ever play Dante's Inferno? 
I did not, but I know that uh, Grand Theft Auto 4 DLC and The Order 1886 also have some dicks in them. The Order did? Really? Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Yeah, there's a sequence where you walk in, you're like in a brothel and you walk in a room and there's like, there's, I think there's boobs too, if I'm not mistaken, because there's like, uh, you know, it's a brothel. So there's like a couple like fucking in a room and she like gets off his dick and he like gets out of bed to like fight you or something. And you like punch him (laughs) and you like see his dick whenever you punch him. Yeah. Do you punch him in the dick? You do not punch him in the dick. Ah, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. <laughs> so the the number of games where you can see some video game dick are pretty small, clearly. Um, but we can add one more to the list. Small. You get like dicks. a little yeah. <laughs> small. <laughs> ah, ah, so good. I didn't mean to do that. Well, there you go. Oh my God. Small dick list. It is a small list of small dicks. It is no. It is a small list of dicks. Get that right. Get that right, people. Anyway, uh, so just FYI, if you're a video game dick fan, there you go. There's a little bit of side dick video for you. Video game there. dick fan. <laughs> yeah, and they, they got to be hurting. They need more. There's not enough out there. So basically, long story short, uh, you meet up in the yard. Uh, there's a couple action sequences. And it's actually the first action, action sequence is pretty cool because um, the hot-headed young guy is marked for death. And so these guys try to corner him in the yard. They try to kill him. And that's when the older guy is kind of like in the area. And so they end up both getting drawn into the struggle. And it's this really neat quick time event where one guy's punching, defending himself. It's like, you know, punch, punch, block. And then the camera kind of pans around and it shows the other guy. And so like it really quickly back and forth goes between the two live players. So you got to kind of really be paying attention where the person who is currently fighting um, is, you know, doing the quick time event, but then it's going to really rapidly switch to the person who's off. So they got to be paying attention. They can jump in, do their piece. It switches back and forth and it kind of rotates. It's pretty, pretty exciting, cool little sequence. Pretty, pretty well done. Uh, and after you get past that, they, you know, kind of make friends and such, um, to talk about the story for a little bit. So full disclosure have not finished this game. So I'm, I don't know how it turns out. I don't know if it ends up being a very good story, but what I've seen so far, uh, kind of sketchy. I mean, it's not bad, but the interesting thing is that um, if you will recall with Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, there was no dialogue in that game. The people kind of did those little mumbly sounds when, you know, like the Sims talk or something, where they just kind of go and there's not really a lot of discussion. And I think that really worked in its favor because as a fantasy game, like you were really drawn into the visuals, the non-verbal communication was really what sold it. Um, the, The characters were very expressive. And so it was very easy to follow the story. And the other positive aspect of that is that when you don't have dialogue, you don't have to worry about the dialogue being bad because there is no dialogue, right? (laughs) So all you got to do is nail the visuals. And that shows why that is a good thing because in this game, which is fully voiced and has a complete script, uh, the script is not great. I mean, it seems like a very tropey, very predictable prison kind of breakout thing. Like literally like every, like if I asked you, Corey, you know, like to write me some dialogue about two guys in prison, like pretty much everything that you would write would be what they have in the game. Like it's very by the numbers, very expected, you know, everybody's acting kind of tough and leave me the fuck alone. I don't care about your shit, mind your own business, you know, fuck you pigs and that kind of thing. Like it's very, no real surprises. I mean, you it's, it's a prison game. You, you literally get a prison game. That's, that's what it is. Um, 
Also, in terms of them escaping, so like you might think that the entire game is about them escaping from prison. Not the case. Uh, it actually is not very long before they get out of prison. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is not much of a spoiler for people. Maybe we should put a spoiler warning up because, I mean, I don't know. You think it's a spoiler? Does it? You think it seems like a spoiler to you? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either because, I mean, I mean, me looking at this game, I'm pretty sure that in trailers they showed them being out of the prison so i think that's been in the pr materials i don't think it's really a spoiler to say that they eventually break out of the prison i mean i i think anybody who knew what the game was about would kind of assume they would break out at some point so uh, maybe quasi spoiler they break out of the prison at some point you get out pretty quick actually and it as a matter of fact it is not really that much work it's pretty easy to break out of prison which was kind of surprising i thought it would be a much bigger part of the game um but you just kind of do these co-op activities which are just kind of um it's kind of shorthand. I kind of wanted it to be harder to break out of prison, to be perfectly frank with you. But it's like one guy is like, oh, we need to steal a file. So you go and one of the players will distract a guard. The other player will go and like steal the file from behind the guard. And then you got the file. And then, uh, you know, later on, it's like, oh, we need to chip away at the wall of our cell. So one player will look out the bars of their cell to look up and down the hallway to see when the guards are coming and the player who is in their cell chipping away at the wall cannot see that. So it's kind of a teamwork thing where the person at the wind at the bars is like, Oh, a guard's coming. Stop, stop chiseling. And then the person inside will stop and they'll hide the file and then they'll just, you know, act nonchalant. And then when the guard leaves, they go back. And so one player's keeping watch, one player's chiseling, then they trade. I mean, that's kind of cool. Like it's, it's kind of neat, but I mean, to be perfectly frank, a lot of the activities you're doing are pretty easy which I guess is fine because when you're trying to coordinate activities between two people, it can't be that hard because if one person fucks it up, then everybody gets sent back, gets frustrating. You have to do sequences over and over and that's not a good time. So I get why a lot of these sequences are pretty easy, but at the same time, I did feel like it was like kind of too quick and a little too easy to get out of prison. Like it, it really felt like really just uh, low effort to get out. Um, there's a couple more sequences where you have to work together. There's one where you are, trying to break through a door and each player has to like hit the square button at the exact same time so that both players will like hit the door with their shoulder at the same time. So if you mistime it, the door doesn't break and you got to get the timing exactly right. Uh, I mean, it's pretty simple stuff like that along those lines. It's, it's not very tough. And if both players are even reasonably good at games, I think that you will probably blow through it pretty quickly. Um, on the one hand, fine, because it's, you know, it's kind of like a narrative game. On the other hand, I kind of was wanting a little bit more meat on those bones. Um, Things progress, you get out of prison, and then I didn't realize this, but I guess the game is set in like the 70s. I didn't I didn't know that until after we got out of prison, but like once you start seeing how people are dressed and like the level of technology that's around, I'm like, oh, I guess we're in the 70s. That's weird because I didn't expect that, but I guess it doesn't really make a difference. It's just like in terms of style, hairstyles, the cars are driving, the fact that nobody has an iPhone and stuff like that. So you get out, you kind of, you know, you, you plot some capers, you want to do some more stuff. I don't want to talk about the story anymore because I'll, I'll save that for people who play the game, but it kind of continues on in that vein. A bunch of simple, simple kind of cooperative mini games. It's pretty low stakes, pretty easy. Story just rolls right along. And the longer the story goes, the kind of more implausible it becomes because with, with brothers, it's fantasy. There was trolls, there were griffins or whatever. I mean, you're kind of going in this weird land of giants. I mean, real world rules don't apply to that. And so you're fine to go along with whatever happens, but in a game like a way out, which is 
I mean, fairly realistic. I mean, guys in prison, that's a real world thing. People breaking out, doing crimes. I mean, that's all real world stuff. I kind of thought it would be, it would, it would play by the rules a little bit more often. Like it's very easy to escape from the cops, like ridiculously easy. Um, the pursuit, you know, um, I mean, I, I worked at a prison one time back in the, back in the day for in real life. And we had a prison breakout one time because it was a medium security prison. These guys broke out and the police response was pretty intense. Like cops got out there. They did a really, you know, a thorough search. Like those guys got caught like within like six hours. Like it was really fast. And in this game, these guys bust out. They're not exactly the sharpest tools in the shed. And they like go on this like series of misadventures. And I'm like, these guys would be caught in like five seconds. Like the <laughs> stuff that they're doing is dumb. Like at one point they go to this farmhouse, which I mean, a farmhouse, what the hell? But okay. They go to this farmhouse. They distract the people who live in the farmhouse. They go in the garage and they're like, instead of stealing stuff and running away, they're like, oh, hey, there's a broken down car here. Let's fix the car. And I'm like, what? It's like, I got to find a wheel and I got to find a jack and I got to find a battery cable to jump in and I got to find some gas. And I'm like, dude, there's no way. Like we would be caught so hard. Like we're spending so much time fixing this fucking broken car. And even when we got it, the people who live here are going to report it being stolen. So like, there's no way we're going to get away with this. Like it's just like a lot of this stuff was like, this is silly. This is really silly. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> But they got to give you something to do, right? And so, like, you know, a bunch of those mini games are like uh, push the button to jack up the car and push this button to get the wheel on the car. And I mean, they're giving you stuff to do. So I get it. Like, you can't just have nothing to do in the game. But at the same time, with a realistic seeming game like this, I kind of I kind of would want it to be harder and a little bit a little bit more realistic and not so easy to breeze through the story. So that was kind of a not a disappointment, but I think it's important to have the proper expectations. So I guess if you go into this not expecting a gritty prison life simulator, but more of like a, oh, this is a really goofy 70s crime movie where the good guys, I assume, win in the end. That's kind of more along the lines of what it is. So uh, I wish I could say how it ended up. I Like I said, I haven't finished it, but uh, I don't think I have very much left. The way the story's ramping up, I'm guessing we're getting ready to wrap it up and... Uh, you know, maybe I'll have a, a wrap up next week, tell you how it finishes up. But so far, I mean, it's fine. It's it's fun to play with a buddy. That's an interesting experience. Uh, I'm glad that a game like this exists. I would like for developers to explore the dedicated co-op space more. Um, but I got to say, so far, I kind of like Brothers better. Like, it was just more compelling and more interesting. And I really didn't know where that was going with a way out. I just, I keep getting stuck on thinking, like, this wouldn't happen. Or this doesn't make sense. Or this is silly. This is not realistic enough for me. So maybe that's a problem with my expectations, um, but it's okay. It's fine. I'm playing it, and I think that spending time with my wife uh, going through this prison story and seeing uh, video game side dick is fine. So we're just uh, – <laughs> I will report next week, but so far, it's fine. Do you think, like, the sort of, like, difficulty stakes are so low because they didn't want to, like – take too big of a risk like it's already risky enough for it to be like co-op only but if like it were harder that that would have alienated even more of an audience so they decided to make it like kind of simpler yeah totally i mean this to me seems like the kind of game that like anybody could play whether they were a gamer or not because all of the actions are so simple i mean anybody can like uh you know turn a stick counterclockwise or anybody can push a square button and it's really generous with the timing and the synchronization of stuff um i don't think we've really even failed anything yet and we're almost done with the game. So I think that's very true. I think this is maybe aimed at more of the casual player who wants just like a buddy experience 
or a Friday night with a couple of beers experience where you're just having fun with your friends. It's not really like a, oh, we're going to dig into this game systems and master it sort of thing. It's just more of a, you know, weekend fun, vaguely cinematic sort of a thing. Mm. This It's interesting that the prison experience is like not that indicative of the entire game because that was like, I mean, I'm pretty sure they unveiled this game to many people's surprise at like E3 or something. And that was like the hard sell was like, this is a game that's about teaming up to get out of prison, but that's like only a small portion of the game. Yeah. You get out of prison real quick. I mean, it's like the first like third of the game, maybe, maybe the first quarter of the game. And then you're like out of prison. So it happens really quickly. I was, I mean, kind of like you said, like when they showed it at E3, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be like pretty hardcore. You're in prison. Maybe this would be like inappropriate for kids, you know, something like that, like <laughs> real grown up stuff. But no, it's pretty, it's pretty tame. In fact, my eight year old has been watching it with us. He's been um, enjoying watching the story unfold. And so, I mean, maybe we're a little more liberal than some other parents would be, but like there really hasn't been anything that I've really objected to so far. Like it's all been pretty, pretty, you know, par for the course and not very bloody or nothing too explicit. So it's, it's you know, generic kind of an action movie sort of a vibe. Hmm. This, I was pretty interested in this game because it sounded like something I would want to play. But the more you talk about it, the less interested <laughs> I'm getting in it, which is kind <laughs> of sad. <laughs> I mean, maybe try it. Just, I mean, I don't think it's going to be that expensive and I'm not sure if it's going to be on disc or not. So maybe you can game play it. Maybe you couldn't, but I mean like, you know, I, I mean, if you go on a, you got a weekend, you got a Saturday, you and Patrick are hanging out. I mean, it would be fun just to play it. You could probably play the whole thing in like two sittings, if not one. And just, you know, you could just say you did something with your partner and had fun for a couple hours. And it's, I, I, I mean, maybe it's me because I, I guess I was expecting something a little more, gritty and a little more rough i guess and it's just kind of a it's, it's actually very light like it's very um you know like like another example is like you, you get to a campsite like you're, you're escaping from the prison there's a campsite which is abandoned but the fire is going there's a knife and there's uh you know like a tent and it's like like who abandons their campsite and like leaves it like you just show up and so it's all done for you you pick up the knife you spear a couple salmon you cook some salmon and it's like it's like it you didn't really have to do anything. Like it was all kind of set up for you. You sh- you showed up, you did the quick time event of stabbing the salmon, but that was basically about it. Like, and so <laughs> you're just kind of just rambling through the countryside doing stuff and you eventually get to a city. And I mean, you know, it's play it with your partner for a weekend and, you know, be done with it, I guess. Hmm. So you don't have to like approach the campsite and like hold everyone hostage at knife point. So that way you can take over their campsite. No, see, the, see, I, I kind of figured something like that would happen. And there are a few points, to be fair to the game, there are a few points uh, where you make a decision where you'll approach a situation. Like, for example, uh, the farmhouse I mentioned, there are people in the farmhouse. The older, wiser guy says, let's make a distraction. The younger guy says, fuck it, let's, let's hold him up. And so you can choose. You, the partners have to vote which way you go. And to be frank, I have been in unison with my wife the whole time, so we haven't had a disagreement. But I wonder what would happen... If you couldn't agree, I don't know if there's a timer or what. I don't know how you'd solve that. I guess you would just eventually have to agree. But uh, yeah, so you can choose different routes. Maybe there is more action and we're just not seeing it because we are choosing the wiser route. Um, So maybe that could be in there. But yeah, so far it's pretty just like, hey, we're rowing a boat. Isn't it weird when two people have to row a boat and you've only got one oar piece? Or (laughs) hey, we're, uh, you know, driving this car. You drive all shoot. And it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty... I don't know, like kind of standard. Like it's not really surprising me in many ways. Like it's very much like 
lowest common denominator what I would expect from a game where you have two people. I think Brothers was actually more surprising than this game is in terms of its design. So it feels pretty safe. Mm-hmm. And so the embargo's up. By the time the show's up, the embargo will be up on a Thursday. And I'm assuming that the game comes out in stores slash online the following Tuesday. Is that right? No, I think it's actually out. I want to say it's out tomorrow. I oh, think. okay. I'm pretty sure I don't have the PR email in front of me, but we are recording this on Tuesday, the 20th. I'm pretty sure it comes out Wednesday, the 21st. I could be mistaken, but by the time you're listening to this, it will be at least the 22nd. And by that time, the embargo will be up, but I'm pretty sure it will be out for consumption in the wild. So very, very soon. Huh. I was like all preps to be like, wow, they're giving the embargo like almost a week before the game comes out. That's really ballsy, but no, just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, it's just like like one day before it comes out. So it's not a bad game. It's not it's not terrible by any means. I mean, I would recommend it if you're looking for a co-op thing to do with your partner. That is. And, and to be fair, there's not a lot of these out there. I mean, there's not a lot of dedicated um, co-op. Uh, these kind of projects are very few and far between. So it's not like there's a bunch of these and you can just afford to, like, dismiss this one out of hand uh, <laughs> because they are fairly rare. But I guess just go into it with the proper expectations. Maybe my expectations were wrong, but. You know, vaguely cinematic, pretty easy to play, pretty breezy, Um, you know, prison theme, but it's not like gritty and it's not like Oz in a video game or anything like that. (laughs) So there you go. A way out. Well, good that um, you have tempered my expectations accordingly now. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, if you play it with Patrick, I would be curious to, to know what you think, especially after we have this discussion, because I'm guessing a lot of people who got really hyped by the E3 trailer will be kind of surprised like I was, I'm guessing. So we will find out another day or two, another 48 hours, the embargo's up and then we shall see. So anyway, that's all I've got to say about a way out. And that will bring us to the end of the show. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up, sir? I don't think so. I am ready to sign off. I hear you, man. I'm getting hungry. We talked for a long time. I apologize if I was, if I was rambling at the end there, <laughs> uh, as I always do. So I guess I should apologize every show. So I guess I'll just start doing that. We'll get <laughs> no, through our games. Please. I'll apologize. We'll wrap the show. That's our new format. There we go. <laughs> anyway, this brings us to the end of the show, folks. Thank you very much for listening. We are glad you are aboard. Uh, also, remember to stick around after the ending music to hear tonight's banter if you swing that way. Otherwise, feel free to bail, and we will catch you with more Games Chat next week. In the meantime... Please remember that you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you would like to. Also, send us pictures of where you're at. We got a couple more pictures. I would love to see more pictures of where our listeners are at, so keep those coming in. You can send those to sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us uh, at gamecritics.com after the show goes uh, live there. We are also on Twitter as a collective show, at sovideogames, and you can reach us individually uh, I am at my name, at Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. Corey, where are you at on Twitter? I My Twitter handle is also my first and last name, Corey Motley. It is C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Excellent, excellent. So send us some messages. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Uh, always great to hear. And that will bring us to the end of another So Video Games. We will be back next week with another installment. So this is Bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week. Level up.
levels, levels still look fine. Testing, as long as my stupid cat will stop meowing, uh, I should be fine. I can't hear him on this end, so it must not be that loud. He does this thing where he just walks around the house and just meows repeatedly, and sometimes the only way to get him to stop is if you can like get him to get in your lap. And he was in my lap the whole time we were doing banter, and then I had to get up and pee, so I had to get off my lap, and now he's just walking around meowing again. That sounds like a very cat thing to do. Very cat thing to do. Oh, speaking of which, now that since you're a cat expert, Corey, uh, <clears throat> you know, I don't know if you saw it going around Twitter this week. What the fuck is a cat blep? I don't even know what that, that is. I don't have a cat. <laughs> what, the mother f- what the fuck is that? Is that a thing? I don't, I, people kept tweeting about it. I have no clue. What the fuck is uh, it? Oh, my God. I wish we would have discussed this for banter. This is so funny. <laughs> Sorry, I did not even think of it until literally just now because you brought up the cat. <laughs> okay, I can't... Explaining this is going to sound like the stupidest thing in the world. Um, so a blep... <laughs> can't believe we even say that. A blep is whenever... It doesn't have to be a cat, but it's usually cats. Like, sometimes dogs do it, too. Where they're, like, kind of unknowingly sticking their tongue out a little bit. That's called a cat blep because, like, their tongue is out. And it's not, like out to lick it's just sort of like slightly protruding from their mouths um that is what a blep is why do they does it make a noise (laughs) like why do they call it that i don't know it's just a stupid word that people on the internet came up with and it stuck oh i've literally never heard that i didn't know what it was and then people were (laughs) tweeting this whole like science science explains why what cat blaps are or whatever and i'm like what the (laughs) fuck is a cat blap what the hell are you guys even talking about like i've it's like there's this whole other, like, hidden world that I've never been privy to, like, this entire world of, like, feline shit. And I'm just like, dude, I did not know none of this was even a thing. So, oh, okay. my God. Did you, did you read that article, by the way? What no, does science I, say about cat blaps? I have not seen this article. How did I miss it? I do not know because it was all over my, my fucking Twitter feed. It was, like, cat blaps for days, and I literally had no fucking clue, dude. It's like when sometimes, you know the other fucking... The other fucking thing that I mean, I, maybe I'm giving my age away or my my tragic unhipness here, but like when people were talking about <laughs> steamed hams, I'm like, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Like, you know what steamed hams is as a no, meme or whatever? I don't know what that okay. is. Okay, okay, good. I don't feel so bad now because like for like two days, nothing but people talking about steamed hams <laughs> on my fucking timeline. What the fuck are you guys talking about? And I I tried to look it up, and it's like if you like if you don't know what meme it is like if you, if you haven't experienced that firsthand it is worthless to look up a meme on the internet because it doesn't explain anything like it doesn't explain why it's a thing doesn't explain what it's about and like i looked up steamed hams it was some kind of fucking simpsons reference which i mean simpsons is fine for me but i i'm not like a, a hardcore simpsons fan i haven't i haven't watched the entire season i don't know when it was good and when it was bad or whatever and apparently it's like a simpsons thing and apparently everybody in my timeline is a simpsons fan and steamed hams is a thing, and I had no idea what the fuck that was all about. And it was just like, for two days, just literal, just staring at my Twitter feed, being absolutely confused. Like, steamed hams and cat blaps, and I don't even know what language people are fucking talking about. Where am I, or what's going on? I No clue, dude. I had not heard of steamed hams, but I'm also not into Simpsons either, so I don't know how those both... I guess maybe that just speaks to the world of memes, how you're... Um, your feed was like assaulted by those and I did not see them at all. Oh God. It was nothing like wall to wall, wall to wall. I was, <laughs> I just felt like the most clueless person in creation. 
So anyway, feel free to uh, clip this and put it in the show somewhere if you want to. This is kind of funny, <laughs> but. Uh... <coughs> um, um. All right, let's go ahead and actually start recording the fucking show. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, here we go. For real this time. All right. Whenever you're All ready. All right, good. Okay, good. All right, so here we are, another Tuesday, another so video games, and we are in the time warp since we are recording banter before the show, but this is what people hear last, so again, backwards, forwards, upside down, who knows what's <laughs> going on. Uh, what's up, dude? Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you want to bant about this week? Anything on your plate? Um, I do. I have a couple of things. One, uh, I have a movie topic that I saw, and then I have a, like a minor... Um, I don't even know what to call it. Just like another small topic, I guess. Let's uh, let's do the small topic first, and then we can talk movies because I got a movie also. We can like double team the movies. So what's your what's your what's your non movie topic? Okay, my non movie topic. Although now that I think about it, this still involves like Hollywood and the acting. Um, so like something that I didn't think about whenever, or I mean, I guess I hadn't really thought about a lot whenever I moved to New Orleans was the fact that like. New Orleans is, like, a really big, um, like, tourist city. Like, people actually like to come here. And sometimes there are, like, really famous people that come here, whether it be for, like, Mardi Gras or, like, projects and stuff. Because I think um, Louisiana is one of those states that has, like, pretty good, like, I don't know what it is. But, like, if production companies want to film, like, movies and TV shows here, they, like, have, like, tax relief or, you know, stuff like that so that it's oh, not right, like, super right. yeah, expensive yeah. to pay. Or to, Incentives uh, to film and here. stuff. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm on Instagram a lot because that's where I post, like, most of my photography and stuff. And I noticed that there's an actor who he's been in a lot of stuff, and but he's, like, I feel like he's not really super-duper well-known. His name is Dane Dehan. Do you know who that is? Never even heard. I mean, maybe I've seen him in something, but I the name is not ringing a bell at all. You have perhaps. Probably the most notable thing he's been in recently was uh, the Luc Besson movie Valerian that came out over the summer. I almost saw that, and then I didn't see it, so I probably don't know who we're talking about. But, <laughs> but please proceed. Well, he is the lead character in the movie, and he's like 32 years old, even though he perpetually looks like he's about 16 uh, forever and always. And he kind of goes back and forth between doing like pretty like small indie movies that review well and then like blockbuster movies that tend to like crash and burn at the box office like i don't know what his deal is but he has some kind of like curse where it seems like every like kind of like high profile movie he does like doesn't really end up making that much money at the box office and i'm a pretty big fan of his despite the fact and i was just thinking about this yesterday despite the fact that i have only um only seen like two of his movies um i've seen chronicle which was his breakout movie in 2012 where he like gets superpowers and like a group of his friends like discover this like alien artifact and they get superpowers and stuff and that was kind of like his breakout role oh and I yeah saw, um, that was the one where they play like high schoolers that like they like film themselves doing superhero stuff because they were stupid teenagers right yeah yep was it good uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, I saw it a while ago and it didn't like blow me away, but it was definitely pretty good. Um, especially cause it was like for, for what they did for the budget, uh, was particularly impressive cause it was like a low budget movie, but they had a lot of pretty good special effects and stuff. Right. Right. Uh, okay. I wanted to see that and I never got around to it, but okay. I'm glad that you're, you're bringing it up now. I should watch it. So, okay. And what else? <laughs> what else? Um, I've also seen, he didn't have a big part in it, but I've seen um, a, a movie called A Place Beyond the Pines, which had Ryan Gosling and Bradley Cooper and Eva Mendez. Eva Mendez. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, 
and uh, and Dane DeHaan was also in it. And it's kind of a movie about like it's like a you know an indie movie where Ryan Gosling plays this like stunt like motorcycle stunt guy who's kind of like had a really hard life and he's got a lot of tattoos and he's like trying to <laughs> like make like do his do his best for like his baby mama and everything. And then Bradley Cooper plays like a police officer and um and he ends up like being on the tail of like this crime that Ryan Gosling has t- uh, agreed to take part in committing. And it's like this big, like sprawling movie. It's, it's just okay. Like it's not a great movie. Um, but uh, those are the only two movies I've seen him in, but he's been in other stuff that I've been interested in. I just haven't really taken the time to watch them. But the point of the story is that I follow him on Instagram and he's in new Orleans right now. And he's been like, posting, uh, you know, like Instagram stories, like videos of, you know, him like eating at places and trying out New Orleans places and being like on the riverfront where the steamboats are. And like the riverfront is a place that I go to a lot that has um, that where we do parkour sometimes where we photograph. And um, I'm just going to warn you, the story is like going to fizzle out because it's not really like <laughs> it's it's not like the story has not completed itself yet. So, <laughs> hey, guys, so, I got I a mean, story. This sucks. It goes nowhere. But I'm going to talk for about I, three and a half minutes. So let's go. <laughs> I mean, that's why that's why it's like my half topic, because, um, you know, I he he's in town and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, OK, this guy's probably really busy. I don't know, like. Cause he's like a Hollywood movie star, but he's obviously not like a Tom Cruise or, you know, like a Chris Evans or something like, I doubt he has like a security detail or, you know, I don't even know if he has like a driver that goes with them. Cause you know, it really depends on the, the amount of like superstardom when you get to that kind of stuff. Um, so I decided to send him a message on Instagram and just be like, Hey, like, I know you're busy, but like you're in new Orleans and I live here and I'm a local photographer and I would really like to photograph you. Like, I know you're busy. I don't expect you to get back to me. I don't even know how long you're here and how wow, busy you that's are. Kind of, that's like, kind of bold. Hey, what's up guy? I'm, yeah, I'm here. I mean, you're here. What's up? <laughs> and that's, Photos. I guess that's, that's more the point of the story is the fact that like, I've been trying to get a little bit more bold about stuff like that because, uh, there's a musical group called the glitch mob and they, one of the guys in the glitch mob is from new Orleans and he was like born and raised here for a lot of his life. And so he comes back for like Mardi Gras and he'll come back like to see his mom and everything. Cause she still lives here. And he was here for Mardi Gras. And I basically did the same thing for him. Like I've, I've seen them live a bunch of times, but I've never like, you know, met them or anything, but I messaged him basically said the same thing. Like, Oh, Hey, I'm a local photographer. I know you're busy, but um, I would like to photograph you if you have any downtime or if you don't feel weirded out about that. Like, I know this is weird. I don't expect to hear back from you, but like, just, you know, just to put it out there. And I basically did the same thing with Dane, um, this afternoon because, um, you know, and I put it in the message, I was like, I know this is weird, but I would rather send you a message than wish that I would have sent you a message for the rest of my life, even if like nothing comes of it. So like, I mean, I don't expect him to say anything. I mean, he's like a famous actor and I don't know how long he's going to be here, but I've been trying to make an effort to be a little more like ballsy about stuff like that because worst case scenario, I never hear back from them, which is exactly what I expect to happen. But I mean, maybe best case scenario is they're like, sure, why not? And like, I don't know, maybe I get to photograph a famous person for like an hour or something. So I don't know. It's just something I've been doing lately whenever I see people here. You know, that is actually a really cool thing that you're doing because it takes that kind of like boldness and like out of the box thinking to like actually get ahead anywhere. You know, like nobody ever like 
sits at home and then like somebody knocks on their door and says, Hey, I'd like to make you a millionaire. Well, you'd like, <laughs> would you like to have all this success here? Take it. Like it never happens like that. So you got to be out there doing things like that. That's exactly the kind of thing where like when that clicked, like that would be like a ticket somewhere or like that would open a door for you. You know, now that you mentioned that, uh, one thing that I would like to suggest to you as a possibility is to get in touch with your local chamber of commerce, especially the one, uh, you know, if there's an aspect of it that deals with all of the films that go in there, um, there's always like the, I don't know what it's called, but it's just like you said, the movie, the movie tourism or the movie, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to say movie attraction. That's not the right word, but like, you know, whatever (laughs) department is involved with like enticing people to come film, like you should totally make yourself available and say, if you're like, Hey guys, chamber of commerce, if you guys have local events, or things that you guys are doing, um, you know, let me know. I'm a local photographer. I'd love to work with you and, you know, offer them like really dirt cheap rates. And maybe, you know, like maybe it would start out with like, oh, hey, we have a parade or something. I know you guys have a lot of parades down there. Maybe you would go and film that. And then that would like, you know, you do some good shots that would open the door and that would get you, you know, notice to like a next bigger thing up. And then, you know, like, like more and more and like eventually like you would get tapped maybe to do something like that was really big. Like maybe like some star would actually come and they'd be like, oh, yeah. We've got Corey who does all these things for us and he works really well with us and we've used him many times. Let's give him a call and he can do this thing too. So like, that's totally like the kind of thing that like gets your foot in the door, you know, like you should, you should try that. I think that's a good idea because it's my idea and it's a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a good idea, especially because like movies and TV shows generally tend to have like press photographers on hand as well. Yeah, so anything, dude, totally, totally. Um, yeah, like, or like an onset photographer, I guess is maybe what I'm thinking about. Um, But, uh, I mean, I'm also like to go hand in hand with that. I'm at a point in my life now. And like some people hit this point when they're like 16, some people hit it when they're 20. Um, I'm 29 and I feel like I've just been hitting that point lately in my life where like, you know, like I, I'm mature enough to be able to like make, I mean, I act like messaging someone on Instagram is like a huge move. Like, oh my God, whoa, like what an unexpected move. But like, I'm mature enough to be able to do this and like be professional and not like, obviously I care because like, I would love to be like photographing this Hollywood actor. Like if he said, you know, if he said yes, or if his like agent said yes or whatever. Um, but at the same time, I'm like mature enough to where I'm like, yeah, this will probably never happen, but like, I'm going to go ahead and ask anyway, or I'm going to see what I can do anyway. Whereas if I were like, 20 i probably would have been like oh no i would never ask like i'm much too shy i'm much too like meek like it'll never happen why would i even bother but now i'm like you know what i'm almost 30 like i don't give a fuck i'm just gonna message these people and if it goes nowhere it goes nowhere but this is just kind of where we are and this is what i want to do and i don't really care yeah dude i mean that's exactly the right attitude especially when you want to do something for yourself or if you want to be a freelancer or if you want to like make a career for yourself or you know to grow like a photography uh, business like you're kind of doing right now. I mean, you, it's, you, you totally got to do that. Like, that is exactly the right thing. I mean, like I just said, nothing ever falls in your lap with you sitting on the couch at home being shy. It's like you got to get out there. And, you know, you make crazy, crazy asks or you do crazy things or you think that, you know, you got to be a little more bold than you normally would be. But, I mean, that's totally how it happens, man. I mean, it, you, if you ask and you say – and they say no, then nothing changed. But if you ask and say yes, it could open, like, so many doors, right? But it's not going to open if you don't ask. So – I'm, I am very proud of you, dude. I think you are doing something really cool and neat. And I think this has definitely got you on the right track. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. Maybe, who knows, maybe next week when we tune back in, I'll be like, oh, listen to this story about this Hollywood actor that I photographed in the past week. Probably not going to happen, but uh, who knows? We'll all 
be checking back in about this next week. Stranger things have happened, man. Stranger things have happened. So, all right, I will check back in with you next week. Uh, let's do your other. What was your, what was your? So that well, that was your point five, I guess. So what was your, what was your movie feedback or what was your movie topic? <laughs> well, I saw the movie Love Simon on Sunday afternoon. Love Are you familiar Simon. with this? Is this Love Simon? Uh, is this the one about a gay teenager? It is about a gay teenager. I know, I know it's about a gay teenager. That's all I know about it. So what else, what else goes down in Love, Simon? <laughs> well, it is, it's kind of funny for me because I saw Call Me By Your Name, which we talked about two Sundays ago. So I like bookended a week with gay movies, which is great because <laughs> like, it's like what a time to be alive in American cinema where you can like go to the movies and be able to choose between two gay movies to go see and not just be like, Oh, here's the one gay movie we're getting this half of the year. I guess I have to see this one. Um, well, so frankly, that's definitely... frankly, there wouldn't even be one. Like, you know, like go back a couple years, there wouldn't even be one to choose from, dude. I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like think about let's think about this for a second cuz I think I love that you brought this up because that is actually very true. And I, you know, I'm an older guy and uh, I can remember way back in the day to when things were different. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, like uh, I'm trying like literally trying to think of like the last time that we had so many like gay positive gay movies that were around and it's really tough. I mean, like back in the day, like this wouldn't, you wouldn't even have one would not even have one. I mean, I'm trying to think of like the closest thing when I was coming up was probably like the crying game. Do you ever see the crying game? No. You've, ever, you, you've heard of it? No. Oh dude, that's how old I am. Oh my God. <laughs> that movie was huge when it came out. And okay. So I'm not going to tell you anything about it because Part of the appeal of that movie is not knowing what it's about, but that was, um, it had some, I, I mean, I, uh, I, gay, gay adjacent material in it and <laughs> gay adjacent yeah, I'm not going to say it's a, it's like a gay focused movie, but, uh, man, I, oh man, I'm so stunned you haven't heard of it because it was huge when I was growing up and it was just like, oh, that was the movie that had the gay stuff in it. And, uh, that, I mean, that was enormous. And then it was like a decade before anything else came out. I mean, the next movie I can think of that was notable probably broke back mountain. I mean, how many years between those things? Probably at least 10 years, maybe more. And now look at this. You like went to a gay movie last week and you're going to a gay movie this week. You can probably go to a gay movie next week. I mean, you can chain them all together like that. That's amazing, dude. That's so amazing. So we've really come a long way, man. So anyway, also go see the crying game. Let me know what you thought of it. That was a little history lesson for you there. <laughs> All right, definitely. Well, like, I when I, okay, so I really wanted to see Call Me by Your Name. I thought it was going to be good. It ended up being good and all that stuff. And like, when I saw the trailers for Love Simon, like Love Simon is it's very much like a it's kind of like a, a John Hughes Ian like high school movie where it's mostly just about like a group of friends and they're having fun and they're like in their senior year of high school and kind of like trying to figure out how to navigate their senior year before they graduate and, you know, hopefully move on to bigger and better things. But the big, you know, obviously the big like thing about the movie is that the main character is a closeted gay teenager and their high school, there's like a website that a lot of the high schoolers um, surf. And it's sort of like a Craigslist type site where people will post like anonymous secrets or they'll like roast each other and stuff like that on this site. And there's a guy who, um, is closeted in the high school. And this is like the whole plot of the movie. He like writes a post on the website about how he's like gay and that he can't come out or like doesn't want to come out. It doesn't know how to navigate it. 
And then the main character of the movie, Simon, is basically facing the same problem. So he starts emailing the guy, and they start emailing back and forth, but they don't reveal each other's identities to each other. And so Simon is trying to figure out how to navigate his sexuality during this part of high school and whether he not, whether he wants to come out or not, whether he wants to you know tell his friends, tell his parents. And he also wants to meet the email pen pal. So he's trying to like figure out who it is because he won't like come out to him over email. So, but, and like, it sounds the way I've described it perhaps makes it sounds like a big, like serious drama about like coming out and everything, but it's really like a fun movie. Like it's a, it's kind of like Juno or like mean girls. Like it's very just like kind of a silly, often cheesy comedy. And I am usually not into movies like that. So I didn't really want to see it that much, but Patrick did. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll go see it with you. Like, it's not like I'm actively hating this movie. I'm just not super like duper interested in seeing it. And we went and saw it, and I really liked it. So I can eat all the words that I said about not wanting to see it, because it is all of the things that I just described. It's cheesy, it's silly, it's funny. It's definitely kind of targeted toward a high school audience rather than Call Me By Your Name, which is definitely seems geared more toward, like, you know, mature adults and, like, the snooty Oscar crowd, which uh, I more often than not, like, kind of sort of fall into over, like, teeny bopper movies. But... Um, Love, Simon was really good. It, I, like, cried, like, three separate times in it, which I was not expecting. And <laughs> it, 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 so it's, like, it's, like, good and funny, but it has, like, really good moments of, like, honest, like, sincerity among, like, the family unit that Simon, that Simon belongs to and, like, with his friends and how he, like, relates to other people. And it was really nice to see, like, a, a movie where it's not just like a gay side character that has like two scenes and that's it. And the movie, like the whole movie is about like him navigating his sexuality. And, but the movie is also very family friendly, like family friendly to a point where it kind of like almost doesn't have any teeth really. Like it's not grim. It's not dark. It's not, you know, there's nothing about like AIDS or like sexually transmitted diseases, (laughs) no one like dying or anything, which is really refreshing because a lot of gay movies fall into that trap where it's like, oh, here's a movie about gay shit. By the way, like everybody dies of AIDS or, you know, the main character gets kicked out of his house when he comes out to his parents or something like that. So it's nice to have like a really positive, like uplifting film about uh, these kind of issues. And I can't imagine how like I would have felt about this movie had I been seeing it when I was in middle school or when I was in high school. And maybe we're going through a lot of the same things uh you know, to try to like navigate my sexuality in the world. So it's really fortunate to me that this movie got made and that it has, um, you know, like there's definitely an audience out there for it and that a lot of people are able to see it and see how much it, you know, how much they can relate to it, how much it means for them without it being, you know, a rated R Oscar movie or without it being like really grim and really scary or really, you know, like filled with death and stuff like that. So um, I really, I really liked it and it kind of surprised me, um, with how much I enjoyed it and how much I was able to see sort of like my parallel journey through the movie because I can't relate to a lot of movies that I see. Cause usually it's like a white guy and a white girl love story or something like that. But it was nice to see call me by your name and love Simon so close to each other because I relate to both movies in different ways and the movies have completely different moods and tones, but they're both movies about gay romance without being 
uh, like super depressing in the sense of like, cause like call me by your name is kind of depressing, but it's not depressing. And like, uh, someone gets AIDS and dies depressing. It's more like depressing and just about like having and losing love, which is, um, pretty universal. Um, so yeah, I, I give it a thumbs up and I recommend it. And I think it was surprisingly good. Good, good. I'm glad you brought that up because now that you've been talking about it, I do recall hearing about this and, um, having some people say that it was notable because, because of exactly like what you said, like it wasn't Oscar bait material. No one dies or whatever. Like it's not dark. It was just like, I mean, I heard people describe it as the sort of like, you know, teenage romance thing that there are like 85 million examples of like a guy and a girl, (laughs) but, and you know, like the same kind of silly light sort of a thing, but you don't get that as a gay person. So yeah, now that you say that, I'm like, Oh, this is okay. This is that movie. I read about this. I remembered people saying it was, it was like notable for not being notable. And that was the notable thing about it. If that makes any sense. (laughs) So, and in fact, was this, I don't know if you know or not, but wasn't this the one that was like, it was like directed by Greg Berlanti. I think, is that true? Is that this movie? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yes, yes, yes. I'm actually a big fan of his. He is the guy, for people who don't know, he is the guy that does all of the um, Arrowverse stuff that is on the CW. Uh, it is, is it still the CW or is it something else these days? What is it? Uh, I think it's CW still. Yeah, the Qua, whatever the it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's the guy that does all that. I'm a big fan of his work. So if I'm, I'm sure that I would like this, uh, and I'll just have to add this to our list of things to see. So... Uh, good, good. I'm glad that it was good. Excellent. And actually total, total tangent. You mentioned, um, like AIDS uh, a couple times during that. And it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, I mean, so I'm about, I don't know, like what more 10 ish, maybe 10, 12 years older than you are. And although that's not like a giant gap in the, in the big scheme of things, like it can sometimes make a big difference because I mean, I don't know how it was for you coming up, but like when I was growing up, AIDS was like this horrific like specter everyone was so afraid of it it was all over i mean it was like it was like a death sentence if you got it and you know it was just this this enormous thing that was like so fearful and um you know now i mean comparing it to now you don't really even hear about it anymore like you don't it's rare to hear somebody who dies from it but i've had many friends who have died from it i went through that with a lot of people who um, did not have those medications that are available today. I mean, I've lost a lot of friends to AIDS and a lot of oh, clients actually too. Um, and so I've been through that with a lot of folks and it's, I'm just, it's like a totally different era. It feels like it's almost like just a thing that was just from like another lifetime where, you know, my kid or, or kids that are growing up these days, they are not like scared to death of AIDS, you know, of, of sitting on a dirty toilet seat or mosquitoes that you don't know where they've been or, you know, God forbid having unprotected sex, because if you do, you're going to die because of AIDS. And, it's like it's like such a different world these days. I don't I'm not sure that people even really really realize how big a thing it is that we have these medications and that people are are surviving, you know? I mean, I know a lot of people who have um HIV and they're living like really healthy, productive lifestyles. They're not in fear of dying at any moment and it's just like um I mean, it's such it's such a huge thing, but you don't really think about how different it is. And as a perfect example, uh, my uh you know, my wife and I we love uh musicals and that kind of stuff. Rent is one of our favorite musicals. And uh, we were listening to the soundtrack and my son was in the back and he's like, what are they talking about? Like, what's, why is everybody so sad? Like, what's, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, well, this was totally like when AIDS was still a thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a thing, but like, it's, it's a very, it's a very different thing these days, you know, like it's a, it's really different. And, you know, so we were explaining, oh, you know, AIDS was a thing. And in the, you know, in, in Rent, like a lot of people die and everybody's sick and all this stuff is going on. And that's what everybody's really upset about. And like, it was just not even 
relatable to him anymore. You know, like it wasn't even anything that he talked about. It wasn't anything that he really had that kind of experience with, not the same way that we did. And so I was just like, man, it is such a different world. So, I mean, there's a lot of bad shit in the world and a lot of awful stuff going on right now, but there's also a lot of good stuff. And I think this is really a, a really good thing because I can clearly remember so many years when it was just like AIDS was death. HIV was death. That's all that happened. It was just black and awful and horrible. And now it's like, it's just not anymore. I mean, that's like, an, that's an amazing thing. Yeah, it really is. And like, uh, something that I think about with this is like Charlize Theron, that actress, she works really heavily with a, um, um, like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an organization where she raises a lot of money for like AIDS awareness, but it's, ma- it's mainly AIDS awareness in Africa because Africa, I mean, it's still like a totally different playing field for AIDS. Totally, in totally, than it is totally. Yes. Yeah. And like her spiel that she usually gives when she talks about, um, AIDS is like, she always talks about how like, we have the power to make like this generation, the last generation that has AIDS and like, we can really do our best to get rid of it and kind of make it a thing of the past, like, like universally across the globe. So like, that's kind of her big thing because I can't remember if she was born in Africa, but she, if she wasn't, she's been there uh, a lot uh, enough to know, like she speaks a lot of, um, I don't know what all the African languages are there, but she, like, speaks a lot of them, and she, like, knows a lot of, like, the ins and outs of um, African culture, um, despite being, like, a white woman, even though there is a heavy white population in Africa, but being in the United States, that's not something we're always exposed to. Because when we think of Africa, we think of, like, skinny black people carrying jugs of water on their heads, because that's all that's shown to us in school whenever we grow up. And uh, But really, there's, like, a lot of... Um, really urban advanced populations in Africa that reflect exactly what the United States looks like. Um, But that's kind of her whole thing too, is like she wants to like get rid of AIDS like immediately, like within this generation and believes that we have the power to do it through like research and funding and all that stuff. So um, I think about that too, whenever um, I see her talking about her charitable organizations and stuff, uh, just like the fact that this really could be like the last generation that has big problems with AIDS, like universally. Yeah, it would be amazing if we could stamp that out. It's just amazing, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm, I mean that's awesome. I didn't know that Charlize Theron did that, so that's that's great. I mean, definitely there are places around the world where AIDS is still a huge problem. I didn't mean to sound so like American centric <laughs> there. <laughs> you know, apologies for that, everybody. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, absolutely. So I'm just I'm just really impressed and uh, so amazed where it, it seemed like it was like this impossible medical barrier that we were never going to break in the '80s, and now it's like it's we we're past it. I mean, it's not eradicated and it's not a thing that we can't ever think about again but between like you know drugs like prep and different um triple cocktails that are happening right now like it's like you can there are so many ways to not get aids and if you do get aids then there's so many ways to survive it it's just like it's like a miracle basically so anyway yes good stuff that is one good thing to be happy about in this age where there is so much to not be happy about but i will be happy about that (laughs) uh you got anything else on your plate man uh i don't think so you know just talking about photographing maybe celebrities and gay movies you know gay movies gay movies all right cool let's talk about another movie not not i mean maybe maybe there's gay stuff in it maybe not not a whole (laughs) lot of gay stuff but i just saw a wrinkle in time uh last weekend it's funny that you said that you cried during uh love simon because god you know recently I feel like all we ever talk about is like you or me or both of us crying during movies. It's all we do. It's like we are the we are the dudes crying during movies podcast. That is our actual identity here. Uh, because I saw A Wrinkle in Time 
This is the movie directed by Ava DuVernay, who is an up-and-coming African-American female director. Um, and this is, I think, one of the biggest budget sci-fi movies that has ever been directed by a African-American female. Stars, um, a cast of kids who are all really great, and then also, like, you know, the, the movie's pretty notable for having, like, Oprah Winfrey in it. Uh, it's also got... Um, Reese Witherspoon and Mindy Kaling. Who I mean, I'm just the biggest Mindy Kaling fan. Oh, I love her so much. Are you a Mindy Kaling fan? <laughs> I like her despite not having seen really anything that she's ever done before. Oh, okay. Like I thought she was really funny in The Office. I was a big Office fan um, before it got bad, and then I watched um, the Mindy Project, where she was obviously the star of that. Uh, very good. I am a huge, huge Mindy Kaling fan. Love her a lot. Um, anyway. So this movie is based on the book by Madeline Langle. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. I don't know exactly how to pronounce that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that that's how that's pronounced. Uh, I've never read the book. It's a very famous sci-fi book from back in the day, and I was a sci-fi book nerd back in the day. I mean, still am at heart, although I don't have time to read books anymore. Uh, but this is one of those, like, undisputed classics that, like, really I should have read, and I just never got around to it. So I was aware of it, and I knew a lot of people liked it, and I knew it was a thing you know, capital A, capital T, a thing back then, but I just never read it. So, um, for whatever reason. So this is the movie, uh, based on that book and it's kind of hard to describe what it's about in terms of plot, but basically a guy is a scientist, his wife is a scientist and they have these smart kids and he is like trying to develop like it's not time travel. It's more like, like interdimensional travel. And then he like disappears. And so his little, his daughter grows up to be like, I'm not sure how old she is, maybe like 12 or something like that. And after her dad's been gone for a number of years, she is contacted by these like really bizarre trio of women who they look like women, but they're like, I don't know, spirits or they're aliens or something's weird about them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so they're like, oh, okay, well, it's time to go find your father. Let's go on this, like, interdimensional, weird, psychedelic journey, and let's go find him. So that's kind of, I mean, that's, like, what it is, like, on the top layer. But underneath it, uh, the star of the movie, the little girl, is African-American. And a lot of this movie is really about, like, acceptance. Like, it's about accepting who you are as a person, even though you may not be as tall or as skinny or as beautiful as you would like to be, but still accepting who you are. And how everybody is really special and, and valued in their own way. And how you can be, you know, proud of who you are, even though it may not exactly line up with what other people expect of you. And also, um, you know, kind of getting past your own insecurities and your fears and not pushing people away. Like, really, I mean, it was a really introspective movie. Like, it was very about th thoughts and feelings and emotions and just really, like... Um, validation for for who you are so even though ostensibly it was like this sci-fi fantasy movie it was really more about like that about self-love and about self-approval and self-acceptance um so it's kind of weird because i was down with all those themes like as a 42 year old dude who is a parent uh and married and all about you know this kind of a thing I felt like it really hit a lot of um, targets for me because I, you know, we talk about these themes with my sons and, you know, these themes are very important to me. And so I, I definitely connected with it on that level. Really appreciate how positive the movie was. Like it was very, very much about those themes. 
Um, at the same time, I can't really say that like I liked it, which is kind of a weird thing to say. <laughs> I mean, I know I'll explain what what I mean by that because so my son, uh, my youngest son, who is eight, he came with us and he was really excited to watch it. But when we left the theater, he was like, eh, I didn't like it so much because. For him, it was really confusing. He wasn't really clicking into the messages because he hasn't had like that much exposure to, you know, um, looking inside himself and introspection and that kind of thing. You know, he's just like an eight-year-old kid, happy-go-lucky, whatever. Um, so he's not quite to that stage yet. And a lot of the movie is really about like crossing dimensions and these weird things happen and they kind of go from these different scenes to different scenes. And it's just really like heady and kind of bizarre in a way. And so he was really confused and didn't really, they did nothing, none of it really sank in for him. So it was kind of lost on him. I'm sure that he would probably get more from it if he was like, you know, older. And that's totally fine. Um, for me, it, it meant a lot. Like I really, I really liked what they were putting down. But at the same time, from like a movie perspective, I felt like it was, it was kind of dull, honestly. Um, even though I really liked the messages and I liked where it was going and what it was saying, it was very talky, but like not in a good way. Like they did a lot of tell and not show. Uh, which I don't think is really great for movies or any visual medium for that matter. And a lot of it really felt like I wish that they were able to get those messages across in a way that was more not them literally saying it out loud on the screen, but, but just doing <laughs> something else where it kind of got across. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they, they were very obvious about what they were doing and it was good, positive, happy message. I support it. But at the same time, it kind of felt like the entire movie was like, um, kind of like a, like a message on morality and not really so much like a sci-fi movie, if, you, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Okay, okay. So that was kind of it. I mean, I liked I liked it. I think it was good. The, the theater was really full with a lot of um, families, a lot of women in the theater, a lot of little girls. So that was cool. I feel like that's a really great uh, film for that demographic. I mean, I think that's perfect. Um, so it seems like the movie's getting to its intended audience. Uh, but it was, you know, it's like, it's like, I appreciated it and I liked it. I don't think I would ever watch it again. And I wish that it was like a little bit more, less talky, more dewy. That way it would be more of like a traditional film that might get a few more people in who maybe needed a bigger hook rather than just, um, you know, talking about feelings and stuff. So it was good. I liked it. I totally cried. Like I cried, like I literally like three or four times, maybe even more than that during the movie because, it was very, it was very touching, and to see the main character kind of overcome her issues and you know kind of end up loving herself at the end of the movie in a positive way, I thought was really good. And I, you know, tears flowing, just flowing. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> like my son keeps looking up, he's like, "What's the matter, Dad?" And I'm like, "Nothing," but you know, feelings, <laughs> feelings, son. Hashtag feelings. So, um, yeah, but but I can't say that it was a great movie, but I think it was a good movie. I'm glad it was made. I'm glad that I saw it, but I don't think I would ever see it again. So it's kind of a weird, I'm, I kind of landed in a weird spot with it, but um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's the kind of thing you should watch in like ninth grade instead of watching some weird rando movie about the Civil War or something. You should watch this one instead. And like, that would be a really good, you know, modern updating of like a school curriculum somewhere. So it's kind of like, a backhanded compliment like it's good enough to be shown in school but maybe it could have been pumped up a little bit as an actual movie movie so oh well i was like tangentially interested in seeing this movie because like i read the book when i was young but oh, you i did. read it i well i had the caveat is that i read it so long ago that i like literally don't remember like anything that happens the only solid concept i remember from the book was the idea that the book presents about time travel being to instead of like 
moving from point A to point B, you just move point B, like, to you, and you, like, fold time on itself in order to get where you're supposed to go. That's, like, the only concept I remember from the book. And as a matter of fact, I even read the second book in this series called A Wind in the Door, and I don't remember anything about that book either because I read them when I was probably, like, 10, maybe? Um, Very young don't remember very much out of either of them um but it totally this book totally falls like when i think about a wrinkle in time i think that this and like the giver kind of go hand in hand as those like early like elementary school kind of sci-fi books that like everybody reads um those are kind of the two that i think of and i'm very proud of this movie um you know for like Uh, Ava DuVernay directing it because she's a really, um, like you said, she's up and coming. She's really a prolific uh, black director, a female director too. Um, She's just like, I mean, she's just great. Like she's, you can just tell that she's just a great, super knowledgeable person, um, really has like a strong moral compass. So this seems like the kind of movie that I could imagine her making. Um, But I was really disappointed whenever it came out and like the Rotten Tomatoes reviews started dropping for it. And it had like, I don't know, it has like a 40% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was just like, oh man, like, cause I, I mean, I like root, I root for the minority, you know, directors and the actors and the producers and everything. So it's kind of a shame that the movie is not getting, or the movie's like not getting great reviews or maybe like it's not as good as it should have been. And I'm not sure that I'll ever watch this movie. It's just so interesting because like, the movie looks like it is marketed heavily towards children because, like, the main girl in the movie is, like, 12 or 13 or something. So, like, it looks like it's marketed right for that demographic and contains all the right messages to, like, pump up that demographic. But if the movie is not good enough to hold that demographic's interest, then I feel like there's a problem there. Yeah, I mean, that's really the thing. I haven't checked Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm not surprised to hear that because it really does feel like you're kind of like you are there to learn a lesson. You're not really there to, like, watch a movie, if that makes sense. Like, it's <laughs> it's a good lesson, but it's not something that you're going to, you know, it's not really much of a thrill ride. It's not really suspenseful. Um, I mean, there's just, like, a lot of kind of talking about feelings and about people. And it's all good. I mean, the messages are good, but it's not the kind of thing where you're going to leave that theater and like, you're, you're not going to want to go back and watch it again. You're not, you're probably not going to recommend it to your friends. If you know, your friends are like popcorn movie fans. Um, it feels, yeah. And I, I could easily imagine this not landing with kids. I mean, my youngest didn't appreciate it. I I'm guessing my oldest probably wouldn't appreciate it very much either. I think you have to be kind of a, a grown up who is very much aware of like, you know, the danger of self-loathing and cultural pressure to conform to certain things. Like that's really kind of where it lands. It, it's kind of like, um, the band-aid to those problems. Um, but if you're not really feeling those problems or if you're not thinking about those problems, or if you're maybe not old enough to kind of like digest those problems in a kind of a, a, a very, you know, intellectual way, I could see why a lot of people would be like, Oh, they just did a lot of talking and nothing really happened. It's just <laughs> kind of, kind of where the movie ends up. So I liked it. I mean, I, I'm glad I saw it, but yeah, I, I I would struggle to recommend it, honestly, and I hate to say that, but that's kind of the truth, so. Oh, well. Um, just one more quick thing for me. Did you know, are you familiar with uh, Joel McHale, Corey? I am. I used to watch The Soup every once in a while when it was on TV. Oh, good. So you were a fan, then? 
Yeah, he is hilarious. Okay, so did you know that he has a new show on Netflix now? Uh, oh, I didn't. I knew he had one, but I didn't know it was on Netflix. Yep, he is back. I'm a I'm a definitely a Joel McHale fan. So Joel and I kind of go way back because Joel <laughs> is actually a local. He is from the Seattle area. He is from a little part of Seattle called uh, not Mercer Island. Is it Mercer Island? I think it's Mercer Island. Uh, it's like this little super snooty place where all the rich people live. It's like it's totally in Seattle, but because the the land is separated by this tiny little stretch of water. It's almost like a little island that's in the middle of Seattle, and so all the rich people live there, and you have to go across a bridge to get there, and it's like this really kind of community that is kind of isolated from the rest of Seattle. Um, it's really kind of a weird thing, and actually, um, there are a lot of serial killers that are from uh, Mercer Island, which is really interesting. Uh, <laughs> Joel McHale, also from Mercer Island, so he is a local, and there was a local comedy show here in town called, I want to say it was called Almost Live. Um, I don't suppose you've ever heard of it. I have never heard of it. Not surprising. It was a very Seattle, Washington kind of a thing where these local actors got together and did like sketch comedy. And that was where Joel actually got his start. So I was a fan of Almost Live from back in the day. And Joel, uh, towards the end of the show's run, he actually appeared on that as like a comedian. And that was where I first knew him from. So I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty funny. And that's, that's pretty good. He went on from that to do Community. Were you a Community fan? I never watched it. Oh, dude, you should go back and watch that. The first couple of years of Community, pretty primo stuff. Really, really, like, deeply funny. Very biting, very satirical, very sharp. It got a little softer uh, towards the end of its run because they thought they were going to be canceled, and they totally had filmed, like, this is the end of the series episode, and then they ended up getting renewed, and so it was weird to have everybody come back because they thought the show was over, and so they wrapped everything up, and it was... It just it just wasn't quite the same after that. But like up until that point, I mean, I think it was at least I want to say at least three or four years. That is a really fucking good show. It's really, really, really funny. I bet you would really enjoy it. So you should give that a shot. Um, so he did that. And then also, you know, he did um, the soup, like you said. And it's it's interesting because before the soup, there was talk soup. Did you see talk soup with Greg Kinnear? No. So Greg Kinnear is actually the person who invented that show, and he is still around as an actor. You don't hear much from him, but that was his big break. Uh, he basically did the exact same thing that uh, that Joel did, um, but he did it first. He did it, uh, in my view, best, but I think uh, Joel McHale is also really good. They started with Greg Kinnear. He did it for a number of years. He wanted to break into Hollywood. He left the show. They had a rotating cast of hosts, which none of them were that good. I think Aisha Tyler was on it for a while. There was a couple other people that were on it for a while. They kind of just kept changing hosts every season because none of them stuck. And then Joel hit the show, and he really captured that same kind of energy that Greg Kinnear had. And that was a good show. So I, I watched The Soup with him. Loved that very much. And now uh, Joel McHale is back on Netflix this time, and he is doing basically The Soup all over again. It's called <laughs> The Joel McHale Show with Joel McHale because it stars... Joel McHale and uh, some of the old people from the soup are back on it. And it's basically the exact same show, the exact same format, the exact same topics, same sense of humor. So if you are a fan of that, and I was, I was definitely a fan of it. It is now on Netflix. I think there are eight or 10 episodes. It's weekly. It's still ongoing, I think. Uh, and it's a good time. So if you are a Joel McHale fan uh, and you haven't heard about this now, there you go. You have something new to watch that is current and up to date and is a, uh, you know, it harkens back to what he used to do back in the day, and I really enjoyed that, so I'm happy to see him do it again. So, there you go. The Joel McHale Show on Netflix. 
He's also, correct me if I'm wrong, he did a bunch of, like, E3 pressers for, like, Ubisoft and stuff, too, right? Yeah, he actually did, as a matter of fact. And I I was not at E3 when he was doing those, but I remembered him hosting. And if I, if memory serves, he did not do a good job. Is that is that your recollection? <laughs> I don't recall if he did or did not, but I just remember him being, like, in that circle of, like, hosts and stuff for the conferences and shows. Yeah, and also, it was like, Aisha Tyler is the one that did a bunch of Ubisoft press conferences, right? Did she do those, or am I getting the... Yeah, she did those, too. Yeah, yeah. she did a great job. I think people really liked her, and I, I'm pretty sure that Joel did it twice, and I think he fucking bombed both times, because... <laughs> I mean, for something like that, if you don't know about games, why would you ever take that job? I mean, I can't imagine that he needed to check that badly. And it, I mean, I, it, I maybe I'm wrong on this, but I really remember him like not knowing enough about games, making some really poor jokes and just not clicking with the material. So, yeah, I think you are correct. I think that is a thing that happened. But uh, he's back on point on this show. So if you're a fan of his kind of comedy, that really acerbic kind of biting, sarcastic uh, comedy, he's he's back in uh, in good shape on this show. So. He's found his niche again. Good. Good to hear. All right, man. That is all I have. You Anything else you want to jaw about before we get to the uh, the show? Um, I don't think so. I think I'm warmed up, even though this is, again, in the time loop. <laughs> I am now that people are listening to the very, very end. Now I'm warmed up to talk about some games. <laughs> what do you mean you warmed up? The show's over. What's going on, dudes? <laughs> All right, cool, cool, cool. Let's wrap it up and let's talk about some games. <laughs> 